This is episode 216 of Alohomora for March 19th, 2017. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Alohomora. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Allison Sigurd. I'm Haley Lewis. And today we have a guest with us. Carla, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Carla. I'm uh, Hagrid's drinking problem on the forums. Um, <laughs> so, you know, first book listener. <laughs> um, I'm a proud Hufflepuff. Um, hey, yo. Yeah. I, I actually share a birthday with Professor Sprout, so I'm like... Oh, that's nice. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm sort of jealous. I'm sort of jealous of your Hufflepuffness right now. I know. Um, I'm from three places, getting that out of the way. I am um, was born in Berlin. I was raised in Ontario, and now I live in Munich. Um, and, oh. yeah, Harry Potter, I don't know how that all happened, but I remember I read it with my mom when I was a kid. And then at some point, uh, it turned out that all my hardcover books were missing pages and uh, didn't have their covers anymore because I'd read them so often. I have no idea what happened in between. It just sort of spiraled out of control. And that's that's my Harry Potter story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you do any of those cool project like craft projects with those pages of the remaining books that you see around, like on Etsy and stuff? No, I just taped them back on, but that's a good idea. Oh, <laughs> I was like, if you if you have to replace the books, might as well make use of the remaining pages of the other one. Anyway, little ideas, a little, little hat maybe out of... Uh, I mean, at some point, of... they're not going to last my whole life. It's a very bad taping job I did, so that that's probably going to happen <laughs> at one point. <laughs> well, there you go. We share ideas. That's what we do. Um, actually, speaking of the sharing of knowledge and ideas... Today, our main uh, topic on Alohomora is going to be magical education in the Wizarding World. Um, ooh, ah. <laughs> this, this, is, uh, this is a great topic we're really looking very forward to discussing. Uh, I know myself, it's a main topic. I was like, as soon as I saw this was in the pipeline, had to say yes, had to be on, and uh, thrilled to have uh, you ladies here to talk about it. But before we jump into that... We want to remind you about our Patreon, and we want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Allie F., who has been a loyal sponsor for us on Patreon for several months. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Allie. Thank you, Allie. Woo! Claps. And listeners, you can become a sponsor for as little as a dollar a month. We do continue to release exclusive little tidbits. I know the Let's Plays are getting into gear. Kat and I are going to go hike Mount Greylock, hopefully, in a week or so. So we'll probably have some fun stuff with that. So we've got lots of cool stuff that we want to share with you to thank you for being a sponsor. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, you guys have to do a documentary called Finding Overmorning. And, <laughs> like, just, just you know, selfie yourself Make climbing up. Mount Greylock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? While you're there. That sounds like a really, really cool pastime. Um, so getting into our topic of magical education, uh, we each have sort of uh, focus points, where we're coming from, what we're looking out of, uh, you know, what we're looking forward to discussing out of this topic um, I'll go first. My my big um, focus here is going to be 
on uh, the education system that the Wizarding World has following your traditional seven years of Hogwarts education. I'm really curious, um, you know, about examples of wizards and learning outside of Hogwarts because there seems to be, at least in my opinion, a disconnect between like real hardcore adulting jobs. Like how do you become minister for magic with only, and can you, with only seven years of, of education, of magical education? So I'm interested in sort of that gray area in between period because so far as we're aware, there aren't any wizard colleges, um, at least so far. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and I want to look at, because I am a teacher, um, I want to look at good teachers versus bad teachers in the book and kind of what makes someone a good teacher um, according to these books and what makes them a bad teacher and also at the curriculum that gets covered and not covered and how old <laughs> it is and all of that jazz. <laughs> well, what I kind of wanted to talk about was the equivalency of Hogwarts education to qualifications in the muggle world or our world, like how I see it is the owls are a high school equivalent, like of a degree, while the newts seem to be more of a, the college that they have sort of a bachelor's or even it's an associate's degree since it's only two years. Cause it seems like those are the only two qualifications that we hear about in the books. Right, most wizards uh, become, you know, productive members of society with jobs, with their their owls and newts, with either only their owls, like Fred and George, which we'll talk about, or with their newts, and then that's it. There's there's no schooling. So I like the idea; it kind of fills in the gap of well, if the owl is like an undergrad or uh, is like a high school GED, and mm-hmm. the newt is like an undergrad, that actually makes a lot more sense in terms of you know how the world is set up for education. But we also have to think of it in context of Brit- the British education system. Yes, yes, <laughs> that we so. do. Yeah. Um, so let's we'll talk about how that works. Uh, and Carla, what what's uh, what's your focus here? Just in general, I and I agree with Alice in the curriculum. I marvel at it or the lack thereof. In general, there's like no structure to the educational system in the Wizarding World. So I'm looking forward to looking into. Uh, how that even works when there's no structure. And then um, I'm going to focus on something that I um, I studied for my thesis in educational science, um, on trust uh, between professors and students and how that works and how that affects the teachers and their teaching style and the learning and motivation and all of that. Interesting. Yeah, uh, definitely. We I, I read that you had this project, and I thought it would be a great fit uh, for this episode. So yeah, I'm really, really glad I get to talk on, uh, about it because it is fascinating. Well, cool, cool. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll start off by t- we have this down into some solid bullet points here, but uh, but I'd like to begin by talking about the the curriculum um, because I actually went through. Uh, recently the HP lexicon and I kind of broke down they they break down sort of uh, different classes by class what 
the curriculum was for that year or what the students studied uh, for that year. And before I get too deep into it, I really want to ask to follow up, Allison, Carla, what you were saying about there being no structure <laughs> to education. What And, and, and Carla, having uh, been brought up with sort of the British uh, education system schooling, and Allison, your familiarity with it, what does that mean that there's no structure? Or how is it how is it similar and how is it not in Hogwarts with how they do things in Britain? And what do you, what do you know about it? So, well, I went, oh, yeah, go ahead, Carl. Yeah. Um, since the word no structure came from me, I figured I'd just expand on what I mean. Um, it's basically that, um, there's no, the, the exams seem to be very flexible, as in whether they happen or not. Um, there's no set curriculum that the teachers have to follow. It, um, they basically assign books and um, teach based on that, but every teacher can really um, change it on its own. And um, most of the stuff that we see is there's no real, there's no teacher that has to go through any kind of training to become a teacher in this world. It's just very, very sort of haphazardly thrown together. When you look at it that way, which is kind of what I meant with no structure, um, there is more structure in in, in England, in uh, Great Britain. <laughs> I would hope um, so. So the the only similarity that I can think of off the top of my head there is that there's no um, curriculum that they have to follow, but there is a curriculum that is recommended and that most do follow. But maybe Alison. You have more info on that? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at the British education system at all whatsoever. We'd need a, we'd need Rosie for that. Um, but I do know it, it's broken up a little bit differently than we do in the U.S. Um, Haley mentioned like owls and newts, and I think those more align to um, GCSEs and A levels, which are kind of the big tests that um, I know that UK students take at kind of the end of their um, kind of the equivalent of American high school. Uh, so as, secondary, as as secondary education? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of determines in a lot of ways like where you can get into university and what programs you can get into in university. So um, co college placement exams, in a way, like a bit, yeah. Except or, or college for, prep, you know, in a way, kind like of like an SAT, a, a little bit. Um, as as far as I'm aware, I'm like I said, I'm not an expert. I just know a little bit. And also, um, it's similar to the German system, because um, I hope I'm not interrupting. Um, the no. German system also has this kind of double degree thing, where if after if you go into a Realschule, it's called, it's um, sort of a there's after grade four, you're split into three different tiers, basically, based on your grades, based on your motivation, based on your... What? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, and so basically, everyone who has great grades and seems to be going towards university, because you can tell that in grade four, um, goes to uh, do their Abitur, which is a full 12 years. Um, uh, then there's the next one, Mittlere Reife, Realschule, which is 10 years. And then there's Hauptschule or Mittelschule, and that's also nine or ten years, but very hands-on. Um, and at the end of each um, 
um, tier, I guess. Like if you go to Hauptschule at the end of your nine or ten years, um, you you have um, a, a degree, so to speak, like you've um, finished school. You have, but it doesn't qualify you for university. The same with Realschule, it qualifies you for, um, not for university, but for a couple more uh, internships. And then Abitur, the highest, is the one that qualifies you for university. Um, oh. And I don't know if you can draw parallels between GCSEs and not being qualification for university, but for being able to start an apprenticeship or a um, some kind of uh, ongoing learning thing. Yeah, I I feel like the like here in America, like you can get a GED for an equivalent of a high school um, degree, but most colleges will still take GEDs here. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter as long as you write a good essay and you've had reasonably okay grades, you can still get in. Mm -hmm. You said they they do that, Carla, after year four, after fourth. Fourth grade, yeah, fourth grade. So fifth grade, you uh, go to a new school and uh, you're either going towards um, sort of very hands-on apprenticeship or towards, um, I don't even know how to explain the difference. So it's basically like the lower is more of a, you're going towards an apprenticeship to become a cook or to become a... Um, like vocational? Vocational, yeah, yeah, yeah like that's the word. Thank you. Um um, and then the next one is, for example, if you want to be a banker, if you want to be um, an insurance salesman, you do a you do an apprenticeship here. You don't go to study that. You don't go to university. You do an internship, apprenticeship kind of thing, and then you'd need the next level to do that, basically. And then, um, yeah. Well, so sometimes I think Germany sorts too soon. Um, <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that that I'm comparison. I don't know how often I've made that. It's seriously. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, thinking about even even America, um, I don't have a perspective of, of the British way of doing things, but uh, we were able to get to sort of like vocational technical classes um, starting in ninth grade. So that was quite a ways later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything seemed to be everything as far as that goes seemed to be decided roughly at the start of high school in ninth grade for 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 my my school system. Um, in terms of if you're looking to, you know, do college placement, because actually you mentioned breaking off into three. Um, but yeah, each of the classes that we could take, um, like maths wise, uh, and you know, for subject matter science as well had sort of a, um, the three levels, there was honors at the top, um, what they called college prep for, for middle, uh, which was good enough, you know, to get you into college. And then there was a uh, career level, which, uh, I guess is probably a misnomer. It's not to have a career in the in the in the topic, but it's more like if you're not doing this uh, as a focus, this is a class that says you took it, you understand it, but it's not you know going to have the same workload uh, that the higher classes are expected to have. Um, so it's actually kind of interesting, um, and still like there doesn't seem to be a, an equivalent in Harry Potter. Like uh, you know, looking into Part part of this, though, uh, to be honest, and, and getting you know thinking about the curriculum for a few moments here, uh, we don't really have a lot of year seven info um, because not only are Harry, Ron, and Hermione are portals into the world not present at Hogwarts in year seven, but the, the students that are are not getting, from my understanding, the traditional training because Voldemort is taking over. <laughs> um, 
so so like yeah exactly so when defense against the dark arts i was looking up oh what do they teach in year seven it well it's the class is gone it's actually dark arts and they're doing cruciatus curses on each other so it's it's a little bit hard to track you know but i think i recall mcgonagall uh mentioning to harry at the beginning of year six wasn't it that uh there's sort of newt level newt preparation classes for potions Mm -hmm. um or it's slughorn's class so like there's a situation where if you do well on your owls in year six you're able to take the higher level classes towards towards the newt so the potions class harry and ron attend is actually sort of a more not honors but you know like uh, have a higher tier almost an ap Um, class like yeah, versus yeah. and so other students are probably not if they're getting potions in year six, they're not taking that same level of of class. I wonder what happens if you just get acceptables or dreadfuls on all of your exams. Like lots of study any, hall, <laughs> lots class? of study hall time. Clearly, well, <laughs> we know they have remedial classes, right? Because that's they, well, what oh yeah, they yeah. say that Harry's taking when he's doing remedial potions. Right? They say he's yeah. got like remedial potions, so. I would assume that if you failed all of your owls, they would put you in all of these remedial classes or something to, like, make sure you're a competent enough wizard, I guess, to, like, get through in the world. But then maybe they have, like, career placement or apprenticeships or something. Mm-hmm. Do they make you yeah. repeat a year, maybe? I mean, we didn't see it happen, but if you don't pass... Because they used, uh, they used well, to I'll, say that almost like they're like even Goyle passed the tests like every yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, actually, Marcus Flint, I think it was, uh, repeated a year, uh, but that was actually due to a maths error with J.K. Rowling uh, because I <laughs> She's think not good at math. she forgot yeah. what year she forgot what year he was in, so he was actually at Hogwarts a year longer than he should have been. I think he might be mentioned in either Order or Half-Blood after he should have graduated. But that's, funny. that's like probably the only uh, precedent for a student repeating. Um, gosh, I just thought of like... Well, I think, potions. doesn't someone ask... Oh, gosh, it's at the beginning of Order or something before... Or at the beginning of Half-Blood when they're getting the results. And someone says, well, what happens if you fail? And Hermione tells them. And it's like, you like talk to your oh, yeah, head of house yeah. about your options. And then... Because she asked, there. she asked Professor McGonagall because she was worried yeah. for some reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's Hermione and she does that. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's that's uh, an interesting point. Like speaking with your head of house, um, having a conversation like we, um, you know, have a biscuit potter with McGonagall <laughs> about future placement seems to be a big part of you know what you can rely on if if you're not the best student. Um, and that actually because because Harry gets by and we only see it you know that kind of a conversation happen once or maybe twice with him we don't realize you know fully the scope of how often at hogwarts that must be happening you know all other students must be quite often um you know having conversations with their head of house who's sort of like a guidance counselor Mm -hmm. um you know on on getting them into into their future professions i guess Really, it that's uh, just sort of omitted from Harry Potter, but it's totally like there because it's been mentioned. And that even feels more of like, like I was saying, I just have an American education and I'm in college right now and I never mm. had like a guidance counselor discussions in high school, but now I'm required. No, I mean like, no, I didn't. I never went to them, but now oh, I in did. college, we're required to go meet with them ever so often. Oh, okay. see, I, I feel like I was switched in high school. We had to like meet with counselors 
every so often, at least at the beginning of every year or so. Same. In college, you just went to, like, the advisement center for whatever program you were in when you wanted to, like, switch your major or make sure you were on track or Yeah, that's that's the same with me. We had an entire class that was, like, for a quarter of the year called Career Explorations, and we had it two out of the four years of high school. Um, And guidance counselors very heavily pressured us to submit applications and do this, that. (laughs) Then when I got to... Then when I got to college, though, it was um, it's all self-motivated. It's like if you have questions about credits transferring, if you want to do like a double major or switch a major, like that's when you go to the advisement center. But we did we didn't have any, you know, because like at that point, you're an adult and you're managing it yourself. Yeah. Um, but high school was very much handheld, you know, guidance. Definitely. So I, yeah. yeah. I remember I was in 10th grade at the end of 10th grade and I was called to the guidance uh counselor's office um and she told me to start looking into scholarships to apply for university it's like well, I'm, in, I'm in 10th grade <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thinking wow, about yeah. money yeah. for college Ugh. yeah yeah but yeah it's very interesting because it's very different uh in germany um because i went to high school in canada so i got the full handheld uh, experience and in college a little bit too my brother went to college in in, in canada and it's also very, you know, they help you out your first year. And here it's the exact opposite. You're kind of swimming on your own. Um, and it makes me wonder, I don't know if anyone knows what it's like in England. That have, they have the... In uh, like the... Do they, it, it, like, do they, do they, because I don't know what it's like for, I was only there for a year in grade three. So I wouldn't know if they have the what how how much of a guidance counselor sure uh, relationship sort of position they have in their schools or universities. That'd yeah, be interesting. I'm not sure about that, actually, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, something I just thought of too, and this is not in the document. We're going to get into the. I want to get into very quickly the year by year curriculum. But thinking about how the school is run, there's a board of governors. Um, which I believe is probably similar to a British boarding school. Couldn't couldn't speak for them, but I'm guessing. Uh, and the board of governors, you know, is able to oversee, you know, remove headmaster Albus Dumbledore in, in year two. Um, they have some some function, and I imagine one of those functions is to set a curriculum or agree or adjust, you know, upon what these students are being taught. Doesn't that seem like something a board of governors would do, or do you think it's more like um, you know, just handling finances and making sure Hogwarts stays afloat money-wise. Well, I guess they, they always sounded to me a little bit like a school board, like a district school yeah. board. Yeah. To some extent, um, like the equivalent of that um, that we have in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess they might set some of it. I think it's more like you have to teach these classes, do what you want with them. Yeah, yeah. Because the U.S. notion of like having standardized curriculum is relatively new. Um, it used to just kind of be like each school decided on what they were teaching, especially way back in the day, which makes a lot of sense for a wizarding school. I feel like since they always yeah. seem to be several decades behind. Um, so, and I I believe it was that same way in um, in the U.K. Like back a few hundred years ago or whatever, which would make sense for Hogwarts to kind of be behind in that and that teachers kind of pick 
their own curriculum mm. and maybe it's just these established classes and subject areas that they've That's, decided like yeah. these are important for wizards to know or mm-hmm. these are different things that can be important for different um fields because they they pick in um for their third year, right? They take they all take the same classes first and second year and then starting yeah. third year they can You're pick right. up can kind yeah. of like electives yeah. which is kind of the same in the British system now. I mean, they do a couple years doing everything. And then as they move towards their GCSEs, they decide which ones they're going to take tests in. Mm. Um, so they, I mean, they all take the core subjects, but then you have four or five other subjects that you get to pick what you want to study. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So things like languages, different kinds of sciences, history, mm-hmm. yeah. technology, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, so that kind of seems similar there for that, that system. I would hope. And then, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go go on. I I would hope the board of governors uh don't set the curriculum because then they really failed in defense against the dark arts in chamber of secrets. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they well, approved and that. that and that's why well, I- how much of that was the curriculum, and how much of that was Gilderoy Lockhart? You know, appointed that's, that's by Dumbledore. To basically be a useless. I think we need to blame Dumbledore for a lot of this. Yeah, Um, that's that's what I mean. I mean, from from Defense Against the Dark Arts, it sounds like it's the teacher that gets to decide because we know in fourth year the Weasley twins, who are fifth years, come up and talk to them about like how Mad Eye Moody's seen it all and he like knows all this stuff about dark curses. But and then the fourth years get pretty much that same lesson. So I have a feeling that the teachers just kind of establish what they want and it's not necessarily like fifth years get taught about, I don't know, curses and third years get taught about dark creatures. It probably Mm -hmm. should be that way, but I I guess they just got lucky that like they had teachers that were buried in them. I mean, Depends Against the Dark Arts is just uh, uh, an unfortunate example, maybe, uh, because what I... um, it kind of is like that in Charms and Transfiguration, if I'm not mistaken, because there they the books are like level one, level two, level three, right? They, they yeah, from yeah. buttons from S- buttons to like you know desk pig. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, there's a very clear <laughs> so a... progression of of skills. Before we get onto that specifically, I do want to talk about. You mentioned dark arts. I'm glad we talked about that because I think the school as a whole, the governors surely must control some modicum of how much of a certain subject is taught because Durmstrang has a, a reputation, right, for, for being more into the dark arts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, how is that measured uh, if not by a governing body that says, you know, this is may- – maybe – you know, there's Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts. Maybe Durmstrang has two or three other subjects that also deal with dark arts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, a- as an entire subject with a different professor teaching it. Um, you know, what if that's why Durmstrang has his reputation? Because the, the Board of Governors at-, at Hogwarts have been like, well, you know, this is sufficient. Just Defense Against the Dark Arts is is sufficient enough. We don't need to go into, you know, what else is out there in any kind of other real way. That makes sense. Yeah. That it would be the directors telling them they can have more of the subject. Yeah, like you, mm-hmm. you can have more dark arts. We kind of like it. Um, <laughs> Might be There's fun. nothing in the society that says that's bad. It's okay. Yeah. Let's do that. We might have had Grindelwald come from the school, but it's okay. It won't happen again. <laughs> hey. 
He was stopped Did- in the end, right? Didn't you wonder where Grindelwald learned it all? Uh, <laughs> learned what? <laughs> Who's um, that? Yeah. What? So, let, let's let's talk about the. So let, let's talk about this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. go through. So I wrote this again. Uh, thanks to HP Lexicon um, for this uh, information. Anytime incredible their homework assignments were mentioned, like what Harry, Ron, and Hermione were working on. Uh, or, you know, if any other random character comes in and says, this is what we did in class today, they captured it. So, uh, this is, is by no means a 100% flawless list, uh, because I compiled it, um, in the way that I'm going to discuss it, but it's a general picture of the, uh, educational, um, progression through, through Hogwarts. So let's start with charms, um, because there seems to be a pretty clear path there. Um, Charms begins uh, in year one with levitation. Of course, when Guardian Leviosa uh, comes into uh, very, very much use when defending against trolls. Um, In (laughs) year two, it's actually, we just don't hear about it. But by year three, the class is working on cheering charms. I think the purpose of a cheering charm is to make make you happy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, because so someone you've... overdoes it and they like and they're giddy. are in hysterics <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. it paralleled yeah, so, the so... Dementors that year. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, that's oh, actually a good example Flitwick of being oh. such a good teacher. But that's a great oh, example of. That's a great example of the teacher. Flitwick. Yeah, of the professor, ter- uh, you know, tailoring the class to mm-hmm. to the events yeah. of the year. Well, um, someone says at one point too, they're like. I think it's in fifth year. They're like, Flitwick will be fine. He gets everyone through their exams fine. So it always seems to me that Flitwick, like, has a nice, steady building curriculum, and he, like, yeah. knows what each of his students need. Flitwick is such a good teacher. Flitwick, I mean, Flitwick is so is- underrated. I mean, <laughs> you see year five with the swamp, Fred and George's swamp, oh, and he leaves there. Gosh. It's a shining have moment. A segment- we have a segment on teachers. I didn't even put him in. I feel awful now. <laughs> uh, later for this. We'll we got to put, put him in. Don't know if we have We're getting. Enough. We're adding it, yeah. Uh, but uh, but so 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 from basically the the moving of an inanimate object uh, in year one, you know, levitation, it's flying, that's fun. To cheering charms, which can affect a person's mood, uh, see, you know, that would seem to be more involved. Mm. Um, and then in year four of charms, we get to summoning and banishing, so you get Accio, uh, which is which is pretty cool, and that works a little bit. That's like. That's a more intense Wingardium Leviosa because something's flying to you, but it's, you know, you're able to identify it, you call it out by name, and then the laws of the universe, like, react to cause yeah. what you are summoning. It, Harry's broom, even, by example, um, you know, from so far away is immediately jettisoned towards that mm-hmm. person. Well, it's not just floating, right? Like, levitation, it's just, like, kind of floating there. Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. whole reason the thing with the troll works is because they drop it, right? Right. But Mm -hmm. summoning, it's more pointed. Like, it's coming to you, or you're putting it in a certain place. Like, they practice banishing things to a certain spot. So it's more, like, directed. And so I I would think it takes more focus and more um, nuance to, instead of just floating randomly, it's there's a direction it's going. Yeah, actually, yeah. you also... Sorry. sorry. Do they actually learn um, Accu in fourth year? Because I know that Harry learns it because he's studying for the for the tournament. I think they do, they, but I yeah. think, like, Harry's struggling with it, and oh, that's okay. why he and Hermione exactly. spend so long okay. 
practicing it because yeah. he's like, oh crap, oh crap. And he's I using it. He's using this. it for the for the triwizard. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, why he self studies. Yeah. Okay, but um, actually, summoning charms are in the OWL as well in year five. So there's very clearly like it'll take you more than a year to to master the nuance and be able yeah. to impress your your Griselda Marchbanks instructor. I, um, yeah, I feel like yeah. Accio is probably there's a lot of um, what makes a difference in your grade with Accio is how fast and how smooth uh, it, you make it yeah. come to you or you send it away like. How uh, you don't want it like whizzing at you, or you know, flying into the basket and knocking it over. Yeah, doesn't doesn't Harry? Like, yeah. Oh, so doesn't Harry try and summon like Hagrid at one point? I think it's in battle, but he's like <laughs> yeah. Accio Hagrid. Um, oh yeah, when they're yeah. seven potters. Yeah. It's not clear if it works right because yeah. so we don't know like Muggy. how good he is. Um, sort of foggy. But uh, but then charms also in year five silencing charms, um, and color change charms. So like you're changing sort of the natural. If you want to get sciency, it's like you're changing the way light refracts off an object. Um, mm-hmm. But it it just that seems to or be pigment. You're changing pigment. Of yeah, something. pigmentation. Um, you know who knows? And Inherent and I'd love to know. I'd love to know if there's a different incantation for like what color to change it to or how that really went. Like if it's your mind gets involved because um, also come year six, when we start doing nonverbal stuff Mm -hmm. in most classes, um, there's not any specific nonverbal stuff listed for charms, um, but they do end up turning vinegar into wine, which Which is not, Hard. Wasn't no, that? Okay, okay, Allison. Well, All right, Allison. You tell hey, us how to turn vinegar into wine. A lot of different kinds of wine. vinegar are made from. Well, I guess it would kind of depend on what depends kind of on what kind of vinegar doing because some vinegar is made from grapes. grapes. <laughs> so like, yeah. I mean, there's white so, wine vinegar, right? Specifically, yeah, or like specifically balsamic not. is made from grapes. Yeah, but some is made from like apples or <laughs> other kinds of diluted kinds of alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Squished juice that's so, fermented so in different ways. <laughs> so they might be like just speeding up the fermentation process, but you're talking about like a chemical reaction within yeah. an object. So you're changing the cells of that object. Yeah. You they're know? kind of like taking, they're kind of, I mean, I guess they would kind of be, in some cases, they could be like reversing time in a lot of ways, like reversing the um, fermentation. Of- that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Or accelerating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ooh. And then also in also in year six, the water making charm, Aguamenti, which water spews from your wand. Don't know where it comes yeah. from. Probably the, the depths of the ocean somewhere. Or I was going to say like the air. Maybe it just like yeah, gathers exactly. all the like, moisture in the air. The water molecule, molecules well, in the air. And- it'd have to gather yeah. a lot of molecules for the amount of water. Maybe it's yeah. ex- ex- it. it, it Takes one molecule and multiplies Expansive. it or something. Yeah. Well, you can do that. That works with the law. You can multiply exactly. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Huh. So that's the progression of charms. Anyone? What's let's, let's pick something. Uh, potions or transfiguration? What should we do next? Let's do mm. transfiguration. It's close to charms. Yeah. And I think oh, that yeah. could be interesting to look at. Yeah. Why okay. they're two separate classes? Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So year one. Transfiguration with Professor McGonagall. 
they I think their first class or their first big change is a match into a needle. So yeah. you have two long, skinny objects, um, you know, relatively small in size, relatively uncomplicated, except to say that a match presumably can ignite um, at the tip, so there's something there. But turning into a needle and, I guess, back, um, you're very small, very mm-hmm. basic. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of the year, they're turning a mouse into a snuff box. I can't. So I can't. here's my thing yeah. with yeah, you go. transfiguration versus charms. Mm-hmm. I get at the beginning how they are different. Yeah. Because charms are like you're doing something to an object. You're not necessarily changing the object. You're just doing something to it. Right. Whereas transfiguration, you're changing one object to another object. But if we get down later into years five and six, some of the charms... So, like, color changing, silencing, summoning, like, creating legs on teacups, mm-hmm. turning vinegar into wine. Like, that feels more like transfiguration to me. You're changing one thing into something else rather than, like, doing something to I something see, else. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm a little bit confused about why why wasn't there more of a distinction of those at the end i guess maybe she or just, is there a reason why that's in charms and yeah. not transfiguration maybe she just forgot to add at some point that charms are only temporary <laughs> that's the only thing that i could come oh. up with the, that charms are maybe just temporary that they don't stay that certain color that they yeah there's also there's a lot more you can do with transfiguration um mm-hmm. we talked about desk pig obviously but mm-hmm. uh but like imbuing sentience onto something that should not does not ordinarily and probably should not have intelligence um mm-hmm. the chessboard the chessboard is a perfect example of i know it's year one but it's you know it's it's the sorcerer's stone protection um and the guardians of hogwarts in general which come yeah. into play in in book seven yeah. like that that is something that i don't think you could do in charms um it's it's essentially giving a brain to in, and, and a and a body structure like the way the suits of armor are said to move around, you know, like they assume a corporeal form, and their bodies, whatever you want to call them, move like human bodies, um, which is really just so interesting. Um, but it, I think, because it has more to do with intelligence and the connection between man and beast and inanimate, it's a different subject altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also Maybe they the like theory's different. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, a lot of times Professor McGonagall kind of talks about how it's one of the hardest subjects at Hogwarts Transfiguration, and then you have mm-hmm. something like in Half-Blood Prince when Neville's grandmother's like, "Don't tank charms. That's not very important. That's kind of wishy-washy, <laughs> you know." <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I don't yeah. know if there's a difference between them well that's that. that goes back to underrated flitwick right yeah <laughs> the subject the subject he teaches is frivolous you don't really need to know it it's, it's not worth your fun. time which you're at a boarding school why would you not have time like <laughs> you know for, why would you not make time uh for it um so uh so from a match to a needle and a mouse to a snuff box we then go to year two of transfiguration the we see two um, transfigurations happening this year, according to the lexicon. Beetle into a button. Um, so you have a little bug turning mm-hmm. in. You, you've now snuffed the 
um, liveliness out of it, I guess. Turned it mm-hmm. into an inanimate a button you could put on a coat. And then the end of the year, or later on, they're turning rabbits into slippers. <sighs> which is a joke, but yep. it's totally happening. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just transfigure all these bunnies. There's too many bunnies in the world. But Clearly. We can really use some soft things to wear on our feet my feet are cold where are some bunnies (laughs) i love transfiguration but i can't help but ask why for a lot of Mm -hmm. things that they do beetle into a Mm -hmm. button why well hey if you have a beetle infestation and you're missing a lot of buttons on your coat you're missing a lot exactly exactly it's like i have too many of this two birds with one stone i don't have enough of this thing good thing i learned that in year two yes in yeah, year two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, year three is the most memorable because we're learning about Animagi and, mm-hmm. or Animagus, Animagi, whatever you want to, <laughs> however you want to say it, whatever's your, your poison there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, they, they're still doing proper transfiguration. The end of year exam in year three is turning a teapot into a tortoise. Um, so just briefly, they're going from, uh, a, a mouse in year one, to a rabbit in year two and a tortoise in year three. There's mm-hmm. a very definite size increase mm-hmm. for yeah. and now the animals that they're working with. And now they're putting something, giving something inanimate. Now they're giving that life. So it's kind of going the other way around in year. Yeah, three. exactly. From a teapot to a tortoise. Yeah, to exactly. Tortoise instead right. of from life to no life. You're going from no life to life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. That's a, Nice switcheroo that they've done there. Um, and then Animagi, it's funny because the topic is covered in school, but of course it serves the plot of the book mm-hmm. um, quite well because we later understand about the Marauders. Um, but the idea of, you know, it really sets the groundwork for the future of Transfiguration. McGonagall herself is an Animagus. Um, and so to see that even though it's not taught at Hogwarts and, you know, I guess it's it's supposed to be strictly regulated, uh, you can do with Transfiguration um, a complete Animagus transformation. I feel like in Transfiguration, too, they get a lot of, like, theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get, like, some... And they get... I mean, they get quite a bit of, like, practical application of it, but I feel like it's one of those things where they get a lot of theory, too, more than other classes like they tell them about about animagi but they don't like they don't do it you know they don't become it Mm -hmm. they just learn about what they are and i guess maybe that could help with the thing of like transforming something into something entirely different and maybe getting into that idea they'll get into in a couple years of like human transformation Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh i don't know yeah yeah I always uh, figured they had the longest essays to write for Transfiguration. <laughs> mm. Oh, wouldn't it have been Snape's class? Didn't he? Isn't he always oh. assigning like oh, twelve, yeah. Pa- yeah, twelve inches? Or yeah. I think it's um, just to Harry who him, signs that. Him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else gets Harry. It's I also yeah. just think it does come down to the teacher. I know we're going to talk about this later, but like mm. um, McGonagall as a teacher, like like we're saying, there's there's plenty of practical stuff, but there's also a healthy dose. I think of research involved, um, mm-hmm. you know, when they're writing essays, I, I think that is a good way. You know, there's, there's something to be said for book learning and studying and reading. And of course they're buying all of these hefty school books every year 
So it's important that they read them. Um, and well, the class be focused on that. I think you anyway. would hope. Yeah, <laughs> unless yeah. they're like some college classes where it's like, buy twelve books. We're gonna read one, one page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. I like that. Um, uh, oh, I'm so, so glad I avoided that. <laughs> yeah, by year four, they're doing cross species switches. If you can believe this, yeah. um, guinea fowl are being turned into guinea pigs. And actually, I looked this up because I wasn't sure if that was like if if guinea fowl were just young guinea pigs. Because like you, <laughs> there's that te- there's that what uh, um what are they called little frogs uh ba- the tadpoles? tadpoles like isn't there like a potion at one point which which de ages Trevor and re ages him? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, shrinking that's shrinking solution. Yeah, yeah. So like I was like, oh, is this a is this like an aging thing? We could talk about that. In transfiguration, but no, guinea fowl are like birds. Um, they kind of look like peacocks without the plumage. Um, and then guinea mm. pigs are, but they're actually sizable. Guinea fowl appear to be like a hen or rooster size, just based on an image I'm looking up on Google, versus guinea pigs, um, which are smaller. But you're still dealing with there's that progression of larger animals. And now with the added, you know, talk of cross species switching, which becomes obviously very important in, 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 in images transformation because mm-hmm. these things are not at all like the other. And it's, it's no longer becoming like you're changing an animal of a species into an inanimate thing. Um, whatever your pleasure is, this is changing one animal into a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different too. Like one's a rodent, one's a bird. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like, going up pretty different. A qu- couple of levels in that tree thing that you learn in biology at some point in grade six. Yeah, the yeah, classes exactly. or like whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, you're transcending kingdom, yeah. phylum, class, yeah, order, exactly. family, genus, exactly. yeah, um, species. Yeah, the, and and then the other thing that happens though also is um, uh, Victor Crumb, who's visiting. It's important to mention that he is uh, what sixth or seventh year at yeah. that place. He's, he's in seventh he's, year. He's, he's in seventh yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but we witness it in Harry's fourth year that he transfigures his head into a shark. Um, that was him, right? In yeah. The... Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But he does it like he, incompletely. He like he tried to do the whole job. thing and he, yeah, uh, he didn't do it. So tough. Uh, so, so, but that's like the progression of transfiguration is like you can transform not only uh, into an animal or between animals, but you can transfigure part of yourself into an animal to benefit that animal's unique properties, like if a shark has gills, um, mm-hmm. to be able to swim underwater. At least in theory, that is something that you can do in J.K. Rowling's world, um, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. but I don't. I don't know if that was intentional. Mm. You know, like I. I always got the feeling that was unintentional. Like he actually meant to transfigure himself into a shark for a while. Well, that's he, interesting. Like, he like half did it, so he, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he didn't. He didn't. It's almost like mm-hmm. apparition, I feel like, where he like wasn't all yeah. on board and so happened. <laughs> he transplinged. But the um, idea that you can turn yourself into an animal without being an animagus is kind of strange. Right, just temporarily. Yeah. Like yeah. that's intriguing. Definitely. Um at the very least. Well, and but then come year five, there's sort of like a beeline. They go into a different territory entirely, um with vanishing spells. And conjuring spells. So, vanishing 
at least my understanding of it, I didn't look this up prior to saying this, but you're sending an, an item to either a nowhere space or it's it's basically it's not where it was a moment ago when you vanish mm-hmm. something. I feel like um, it has to I go think, somewhere, like maybe even the rumor of requirement or something like that. Yeah, like a yeah, vanished objects because in order to pull it back, it has to still exist. Well, the answer to the Ravenclaw knocker is into non-being, which is to say everywhere. So, it's I mean, it's, it's a weird question that I don't know if anybody knows the answer to, but it's almost like, okay, do the atoms or the atoms just get separated mm-hmm. and so it dissolves mm-hmm. or like, and then you can like pull them back together. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, well, this idea of the non-space or somehow it's like it's it opens the fabric of the universe to do 15 year olds uh transfiguration homework um assignments but yeah it's it's just so interesting and like why guess, is this transfiguration versus anything i guess else? then transfiguration maybe has more to do with like changing if we get like sciencey it's like changing the uh what molecular atomic- structure <laughs> Wow. The atomic structure of things. So you can, like, you're messing at things at an atomic level or at a molecule level. Whereas, I guess, charms then maybe might be more, you're dealing with stuff on a whole level, like as a whole thing. Mm-hmm. This is if macro versus sense. micro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and transfiguration changes, like, the nature of yeah. an object. Because it's changing the, like, atomical structure include including whether or not it exists or can be seen or can be held in front mm-hmm. of you um and apparently uh we also find out this year although this is not a subject um this was just mentioned in lexicon i thought it was important uh the art of healing uh so like ours and um magical actually forgot it we got to remember to talk about saint mungo's um because mm-hmm. you can become a healer for saint mungo's mm-hmm. that apparently involves some degree of transfiguration so if we're talking about it as a science changing atoms and changing what things are that makes a lot of sense now um that healing would involve tra- you know skills in transfiguration yeah definitely because you definitely each kind of skipping ahead you kind of need um certain classes for jobs like in yeah. fifth year she's like okay you need potion to be an or you need uh, defense against our guards and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i guess then for further education i guess everyone like goes through these seven years and then for further education it's more of like internships or like apprenticeships at least that's what i got yeah. because doesn't tonks talk about how like she spent like two years training and now she's only at a certain level and she has to take more time Maybe. to get to, like, the final or yeah. level. And I think McGonagall talks about that, too. She's like, okay, so after you're done at Hogwarts, if you want to be an or, you have two or three years of further training. So I guess... Yeah, we have that, it, actually. It, that's wizard- a quote. Yeah, we have that quote later. Yeah. yeah. I guess the Wizarding World, instead of being more academic, almost focused, mm-hmm. they're more, like practically focused yeah so by the time you get through school where you learn these things instead of going and furthering academically it's almost more like you go into your field and then you specialize in your field from that point on and i wonder if that has something to do with the rather small population uh, wizarding population um is i don't know it, 
seems to me that there you need a lot of personnel. You need a lot of people to run a university. So mm-hmm. um, that there's just not enough people to run a university. So those who do want to, um, and I know that's this is coming later on, but those that do want to further their education go f- further into into their studies do that independently everything is there at their yeah. disposal but there's no institution because there's just not enough people to run it that's really interesting so i guess maybe maybe do they go like work with masters in a certain mm-hmm. like if they kind of mentor if they want to do something more like yeah like theoretically so like um dumbledore like corresponding with notable people in transfiguration mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. potions and things. So maybe it was, it'd be like you would go study with a master in that subject. Right. Instead of like going to a university. Yeah. And I mean like mm-hmm. Dumbledore, Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore discovered the 12 uses of dragon's blood. Where did that happen? Was it in a laboratory? Like, was it out <laughs> in, in, in the field? Was it in a field with a dragon uh, where he's like, Hey, give me some blood. I'm going to check this out. Like you, I imagine he was surrounded by white coats, you know, other wizards who were, uh, you know, the cutting edge of discovery. Um, but it, it begs a lot of questions like yeah. what, what means does, does Dumbledore go to and what, what means does any wizard have for, doing those things that they they end up becoming most notable for and are mm-hmm. there apprenticeships and are there you know sort of other trade and, and unfortunately it's just a side effect of the story being narrowed um to, to harry's quest uh you know that we don't learn sort of more than other than the aura training which we're going to mention um for mm-hmm. like a solid it's three years you do this after hogwarts it's additional um teachings in different subjects that you may not have had before but like your skill in those subjects will have you know allowed you to to be competent um in whatever we're about to teach you now it's like that's the only instance of next level type stuff where it's like not everybody can do stealth the way that aurors are going to teach you to do stealth that's not you mm-hmm. know a subject that's just taught in high school uh, or at hogwarts um but it's something that you know, involves different branches of magic that is completely relevant for our profession. That's why you need to take an additional class. But I love the idea that the population is limiting, you know, the ability to have universities, like Carla said, like that, you know, perhaps they've just made it work to where you are, you know, taught in and in the field. I didn't even think about that before. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah, for me, that explains also why there's no, why it seems like basically anyone can become a teacher just because you need a teaching staff at Hogwarts, and if you've got a, a a teaching spot to fill, you fill it with someone who's available. Yeah. See, Defense Against the Dark Arts. But the, yeah. Yeah. But they Especially all seem to that. be like experts in their fields. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. Some of them. Yeah. About. Yeah. I would actually argue it's closer <laughs> well, to half. I, I would it's... argue it's closer to well, half. Well, I, I think like Flitwick seems to be an expert. Sprout's obviously an expert. McGonagall's obviously an expert. Snape is obviously an expert. Yeah. No. Um, well, Snape is really good at potions, so I'll yeah. give you that. But Snape, well, like, <laughs> that's yeah. what Prince's book it is. <laughs> I was like, I, I read doing? a I read a great um, quote the other uh, today. It said Snape shouldn't be the one teaching; he should be the one writing the textbooks for potions. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he writes it on the board. He doesn't. He yeah. does not teach them from exactly. He, he writes he it on the board. He doesn't. Slughorn makes him uh, open the textbook. He writes it on the board. He gives his own 
instructions. But that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got you. Trelawney, of course. We'll get into this, but Trelawney is Trelawney's. Well, but Trelawney's kind of a special case. Well, Trelawney and and Snape, but same with Hagrid. They're all yeah. strategic placements by Dumbledore. Yeah, they don't necessarily yes. have value. Hagrid, especially like teaching wise, like he's he's got a great big heart. He likes animals. Um, he likes animals, so there aren't. He's fulfilling a base set of requirements, but we know that there's more important reasons why he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he yeah. he's yes. going to be a liaison to the giants one day, who are totally going to have a big part in the final battle. We promise. There's something going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then mm-hmm. Trelawney, who is of insane, insurmountable strategic value, because she's the only other person besides. Dumbledore and Snape who know what the prophecy said and because she actually conjured a real prophecy in her lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wasn't going you know, to so he wasn't rare. even going to hire her until she made the prophecy. So that says yeah. everything. Yeah, like hello, that's <laughs> total strategic. So, but, so some teachers yeah. don't necessarily earn it. Yeah, like how? Yeah. No, like, but I think I think those are few and far between and those were all appointed by Dumbledore and Dumbledore was playing a bigger game. Again, yeah. Dumbledore. So yeah. <laughs> Puppet yeah, like, master. But like the DADA teachers, I think they all basically came with good, relatively good credentials for that, right? I mean, you've got, well, to some extent, I mean, you've got. Coral's <laughs> a muggle studies you've got teacher. Lockhart, who's supposedly. Well, yes, he was. But like, they said he went out into the field and got like field experience. Yeah, Quirrell was yeah. very highly so, regarded. Um, yeah. 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 I, so so like yeah. he had good credentials. Uh Lockhart was supposedly supposed to like have written these books about defeating all these dark things. Mm-hmm. That one was a little bit more of a Dumbledore joke too mm-hmm. because he was like, mm, "Nope. We're going to call you out on that." <laughs> Lupin obviously has some experience. I mean, he was in the order. He is a werewolf himself. Like maybe he really excelled in that subject when mm-hmm. he was at Hogwarts. You seem to think that Lupin was um, very intelligent while he was at school. I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moody is an or. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Dumbledore brought him there for other reasons, too. But because I think Dumbledore knew things were going to go down. So he was like, good or that I know. Come be at this school just in case. Granted, it was. Granted, it was Barty Crouch Jr. (laughs) Yeah. The entire time. He knew some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He knew. Um, Well, yeah, he knew some stuff. But yeah. But Um, the. Knowing your subject and being competent in the subject you teach is be is different from being competent as a teacher as well. Um, yeah. And that's yep. kind of what I was getting at. Tell that there's no training. There they need no training in order to um, become a teacher. And um, I mean, I studied educational science, but I could not teach. That's just not a skill of mine. I can't explain things very well. Um, it's something that you have to be sort of learn or hone um i guess mm-hmm. um and that's something that just doesn't seem to happen in the wizarding world yeah right. um and i wonder if that's also just because they need the teachers and um somehow the students manage to learn clearly yeah because no matter... you have teachers like yeah. snape with a surprising lack of empathy and and pers- yeah. and personal skills mm-hmm. um so let's uh well let's just finish up curriculum here so there's a couple other <laughs> subjects <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it was all good. It was all very, very well, good. Well, it all goes together, um, so it all... Yeah. It, it all, all, it all totally goes with... Yeah, preview of... Uh, but, yeah, there's a couple of other uh, subjects we'll just breeze through. Potions is another one that has a pretty clear uh, escalation of yeah. intensity. Um, the year one potions is a, a cure for boils. 
Also a forgetfulness potion, um, which I forget if that cures forgetfulness or creates it. All I remember Probably is they're like, what's the ingredients? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, year two swelling solution, which I think actually ages. Isn't that what what Trevor got? Um, no. That was shrinking. Uh, the swelling solution is the one where they throw the dung bomb exactly so yeah. that they can go sneak the ingredients and everyone gets really and it explodes faces. on everyone. Yeah, it, like explodes. Oh yeah, on and everyone. the like, chins get yeah. all big and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um a hair raising potion. Uh I don't I don't I don't know why, why? that potion exists. You should just uh, listen <laughs> to a spooky episode of Alohomora doing <gasps> some really good book discussion. No, maybe it, raise- maybe it really literally raises your hair for like people with mohawks or something. <laughs> then they don't need any gel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want that's really this. useful that's so hair cool. band, british rock uh indie <laughs> yeah. so, uh society really used that potion a lot back then oh yeah or maybe it like induces fear Ooh, Ooh that's, a that's dark potion oh. that's crazy um so like very minimal not quite to the point of changing your your mind or feelings just yet um year three they're doing shrinking solution which is de-aging Trevor. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Which is weird because I love it. Um, but that's year three. Year four, they're dealing with antidotes, which is really smart, actually. You're about halfway through your schooling, and you're dealing with how to protect against a lot of the potions that are yet to come. Well, I think they should have done that first. <laughs> like, let's be honest well, with ourselves. They kind of did in the first in the first uh, lesson, you know, with the bezoar. The bezoar. Yeah, kind, kind, yeah. of, kind of got to give him credit there. Mm-hmm. I but think, like, gosh, Snape, get some safety protocols going on. Well, maybe, that's, maybe that's why it's year four is because it's Snape. You know, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to torture the students for three years without giving them know. any kind no, of ability to defend themselves. No, he probably did give them let's safety protocols, but only the Slytherins got the safety protocol uh, yeah, right? yeah 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. um and then in year uh where were we oh, antidotes in year four in year five the draft the draft of peace uh strengthening solution and also they study i don't know if they perform but they study confusing slash befuddlement dra- drafts so that actually confuses a con- um befuddlement draft would probably Cause somebody to become confused mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. what was a forgetfulness potion was year one, but you're getting into the more. This is yeah. a potion that's going to act sort of like a poison. It's going to affect a very specific part of your body, the mind, and in a specific way. And they don't they don't actually do it, but in year four or five, they talk a lot about viraticerum in those. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, so you get more into like the localized type stuff. And then by year six, which is after the OWL level, uh, and also change of teacher, uh, Yoho or Oho Slughorn, um, Amortentia, you got love potion or, uh, sorry, intense infatuation potion, um, the drought of living death, uh, which will slow your heart rate to a crawl. And also the elixir to induce euphoria. Hello, happiness, my old friend Mm -hmm. and Felix Felicis. So that, and then Felix Felicis, is like its own separate entity, and I'm pretty sure it might just be like um, a quirk of Slughorns that it was even studied or introduced. No, they don't even but learn that, how to do it though. They just get it as a gift. They just get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's I, more of same with Amarmentia, I think. Eh, I don't know. 
do they not do they, they not brew? They smell no, they it. do because I, I think because it's one of the Felix releases and Amarmentia are two of the potions that Slughorn has in the very first lesson. I don't know if they actually yeah. make it, but I think they actually think, do do Amarmentia because Harry gets uh, Ron gets poisoned by the um, is it Ramilda Vane? No, no, no. Oh but yeah, that's, yeah, but that's, that's, Fred, that's, and that's Fred and George's. Oh, um, Fred and George's. I think doesn't Slughorn say they should be able to make all of them by the end of their newts? So they should have yeah. been able to make all those by the end of seventh year. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, that makes so he's introducing them yeah. early, which is a problem. But also, that's the future of potion making. So yeah. I mean, Fe- Felix Felicis. We've I th- I'm pretty sure we've had at least an entire episode on Felix yeah. Felicis before. But but um, because like that chapter came out too, and it's like. That, to me, we were talking about with Transfiguration, you know, opening up the universe and changing uh, the nature of objects. Felix Felicis seems to change the very nature of probability that things will work in your Mm. favor, that you will have a conscious ability to affect your luck. Um, It seems to work for a lot of them dodging curses. Curses just... All of a sudden, all the Death Eaters turn into stormtroopers and can't hit their targets uh, when you're on Felix Felicis. Like, you know, it's a yeah. big deal that this potion can somehow affect, even if it's just a, like a placebo thing and you believe it, I think it's a little bit more than that. It's actually changing reality in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, I I actually saw a really interesting uh, analysis of Felix Felicis the other day where it talks about how it just nudges you in the right direction. Like it, it, oh, what did it say? It was talking about how like, basically it came to the conclusion of Felix Felicis works through a theory of saying you have the ability to make your own good luck. So it just like nudges you in the best decisions more than anything. So that like almost it, makes it even yeah. more complicated yeah. because who's like, because who's deciding what the What's best, the best is- is like <laughs> well like the the best way to get to your desired goal so yeah. i guess it like knows you if you have a goal but harry didn't even know that he was supposed to visit slughorn uh but he had a goal he had the goal to get His the memory oh the end goal the yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right yeah. i mean in, 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 a, in a universe with infinite possibilities and we're we're uh crawling along at a snail's pace on a timeline that has maybe infinite you know, outcomes, how does Felix Felicis insert you or guide you into one particular, it's, it's crazy. Although it has very real world implications, obviously it's banned in sports. Um, And if we're also looking at Amortentia, you know, Voldemort was conceived under duress uh, because Tom Riddle, Merope Gaunt, you know, seduced him using love potion. So these, these potions that are really, you know, are really going to mess you up. Uh, and they're changing history, and they're affecting the way people really interact in in the world. Yeah. Um, is is kind of a big deal. So you're getting a lot of these um, higher end, probably a lot more complicated to brew potions. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, um, definitely. I think the only other topic that we have here: uh, care of magical creatures. Uh, we can sum up very quickly. Uh, they go from small to big, more or less. Yeah. Um, the exception is hippogriffs, which I think is a Hagrid affectation. Like, I was about to say, Hagrid kind of screws up the entire small to big, dangerous, not dangerous to dangerous yeah. uh, <laughs> scheme well, there. Well, to make an impression. And then, it was his first lesson ever. And then whenever Grubbly Plank comes, they do different types of lessons than Hagrid ever does. Yeah, I mean, yeah the... Back to the... Yeah. Who teach if you like the subject versus if you're good? I mean, I love Hagrid, but she was a better teacher. 
you know. Yeah, well, five. I mean, in, and in year five, you learn like six beasts. It's um, Porlocks, mm-hmm. Neasles, which are like cats, um, Crups and Gnarls. Uh, there are Thestrals and, and Fire Crabs. Um, interesting thing about Salamanders. Salamanders are something that uh, Fred and George study in their fourth year. But again, when Hagrid takes over in Harry's third year, he teaches Harry's third year class about salamanders. So mm-hmm. they're, um, he's, he's upped the age, you know, or down to the, lowered the age bracket for when you have yeah. to learn about those, which makes me think again, he's exposing the students to needless uh, dangers. And then there's the blast and its scroots. Who even knows where they rank on the danger scale? Only Hagrid <laughs> could, just yeah. A decision. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh Hagrid. Um, uh, the funny thing was there was another topic, there was another uh, subject that I looked up, which was astronomy, because astronomy is something they always seem to like be going off to. There's an exam mm-hmm. at the end of year five, um, but like they have it from year one, and we never see a class of it. Um, we just see the exam that gets taken over by the Death Eaters or whatever at the yeah. end of the, the book. But uh, astronomy, I was like, are there any mentions as to what they're actually studying? And it's so interesting because in year one, they're learning about Jupiter's moons and the um, they're doing like star charts. So they're learning all the names of all the celestial bodies in the night sky. And then in year five, during the exam, they're doing the exact same thing. So there's actually no progression that is noted in the books of astronomy. They're just still – they're still making star charts and they're still hey, – there's a lot of stuff in the Maybe sky. Yeah. The there's a, I guess there's a big sky out there. Yeah. It probably has to do with um, the time of day. Like every year it's different. So yeah. you're studying yeah. the changes over the seven years. And like each season it's going to be different. Oh like, my god. There's just so oh, much. Tedious. I never thought about that. I never I'd thought probably... about that. Um, wow. They do also do they also do star charts in in divination though, which, which is like the a, difference. A, yeah, but that's probably uh, astronomy's more like. <laughs> I feel like astronomy's more like okay, we know where the stars are. We can like navigate by the stars, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas uh, whereas divination is like horoscopes, <laughs> like that's what they're using for the stars. Yeah. You know? So what are they using yeah. the star they, charts like, for? No, the stars. What are they? I don't maybe know. to figure out. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's some kind of magical alignment of the stars and the moons that makes some. Yeah, what is magic? Like, have like to don't do with don't it? you need well, to? There, there or don't you need to like... pick some potion ingredients by certain like yeah. um, moon by like a half? Moon you know or what? Whatnot? That's exactly maybe that's right. Why. That's exactly right. And then that's that's so, so interesting that's because it. though, if you oh, think wow, about it, that's if, insane. If, if they're in astronomy from year one through year five, I can't, I'm surprised it's never mentioned. But um, other than the fact that they're in it, but uh, that's a lot of time comparatively yeah. given to this branch of magic that we know and hear almost nothing about. Um, they're they're in astronomy as much as they are in potions or charms or DADA or transfiguration. So it probably yeah it probably influences other things. Yeah. Yeah. Because you definitely need to like pick um, certain things when the moon is what is book two with poly polyjuice potion. Um, Isn't it like lacewing? Yeah, exactly. Or something has to be picked by like exactly by the new moon, the full moon or the full or moon, new moon or something. Yeah, exactly, something like that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm gonna fail at so, that. So there yeah, is an yeah. influence that the stars have on the oh. magical world of course that's what the centaurs say from the beginning too yeah um but so it's kind of like a 
a a gap mm-hmm. being bridged. In a way, there you go. In a way, that's a that's a foreign language that they're learning because then they can communicate with the centaurs. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then again, Ferenz teaches mm-hmm. divination when he comes, and he teaches stars in that class. Yeah. Well, and and he but, says that even uh, centaurs misread the the signs. Mm-hmm. So we're we're getting into a, a science or something that's not exactly a science. And speaking of science, I know we've been talking about that a lot with transfiguration and changing yeah. atoms and states and everything. But uh, one thing I had to mention was, you know, when talking about education at Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> All of the students come to Hogwarts when they're 11 or, or going, going on to 11 or 12, um, and they leave their formal math, grammar, spelling, science, you know, social studies, language, arts, uh, training behind. Everyone at Hogwarts has a fifth grade reading level, and mm-hmm. they're, well. they're presumably it stays. Do you, do you really get more grammar skills by talking more do you really writing essays reading writing i mean they're they're doing some of this cross curricular stuff i mean they read and write all these books and these essays they're measuring stuff out um in potions they have to do all these calculations they talk about like i mean i'm sure in astronomy they're doing like angle calculations Mm -hmm. and time calculations that's a good Um, point yeah science i guess could come into like the theory of magic. I mean, I guess it changes science a little bit to include magic in it. I mean, if we're talking about transfiguration, you're changing things on an atomic level, mm-hmm. then that's that's science. I mean, I would assume they would have to know what they're doing, so they would have to understand how it works. So, yep. so your opinion is like it's not missing. It's just it's yeah. It's- I think it's just incorporated into other mm-hmm. subjects. My only issue with that idea is um, in regards to English specifically, because in any every other uh, subject, I failed miserably. Uh, didn't fail, but you know. But English, um, I, I just know that in order to really improve your language skills, your writing skills, your spelling, your grammar, you would need to receive feedback on your essays, for example. And do they really... Yeah, but do they really review those essays when they get them back? I mean, I think back to myself as a teenager. If I got a bad grade or if I got a good grade, I was happy or I was angry and I put it away. I didn't really go through it again. I looked at my mistakes. I didn't have that self-motivation kind of thing maybe that's part of their like study halls that they have because mm-hmm. don't they have like a study hall period yeah but yeah. they don't study they do, they do have free they periods have, built in i guess that's yeah. that's what i want to know from jk rowling i guess then is is one of the questions right is like um what is that study time used for when they have when they have free periods what's the theory behind it uh mm-hmm. astronomy you know what what effect does the planet and the stars actually have on things other than potion ingredients and I guess, like, you know, to what extent is the, are the classes at Hogwarts still being your science, your math equivalent um, yeah. for growing up? Yeah. Because it's on on one hand, it's funny to joke, like, you know, Harry can't read well, um, mm. but they, he is getting a lot of experience. I guess. On the through, other hand, I think a lot of um, we have to think in terms of what is why we learn these things so long because mm-hmm. i yeah. mean in canada um you can for example you can um you only have to take um science until grade 10 after that you don't need it anymore i i personally don't remember anything i learned in science from like grade 7 onwards 
but I don't <laughs> right. need it in my university degree, right? So it's not as important. And considering they don't go into the sciences, they don't need the advanced science uh, or the advanced English to um, to 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 become a biologist, to become a translator, or what have you. That you, you like all those things you would have in the Muggle world that you where you need a bachelor's degree, a university degree, um, to uh, to work as these in these professions. You don't need that in the Wizarding world. So, do they need way advanced um, science, math, English, um, or is that sort of okay? Fifth grade is probably not enough, but they, is what they sort of get on the side enough for the professions they're going to use. You know, they specialize in magic because that's probably what they're going to going to work in in the end. Mm -hmm. um, there, there is uh, something in this doc. Haley, did you put this in? Uh, yes. It might have been, yeah. why do these kids not learn Latin? Seriously, um, though. Come on. It's like all of the spells are in Latin. They don't know what they're saying. How do they make no new spells? Kidding. No kidding. Uh, especially, I, uh, yeah. I, I want to know <laughs> now. Now that that's in there, like, what that would be a useful language to learn. It yeah. so, maybe that's part of theory too. Logical <laughs> theory, yeah. Or maybe nobody just cares. But like, maybe nobody if you cares. learned Latin like, and you got whatever. a new spell book, you would be like, okay, this in Latin means to burn. This spell is to burn. I'll say it, and that's what it's going to do. Like, you would be so much better at learning new spells. No if you kidding. It meant in Latin. <laughs> It's like yeah. doctors learning Latin because then they understand what uh, like illnesses they're right? diagnosing. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah diag exactly. Yeah. Like the systems like and totally, the... Yeah. <sighs> um, I mean, do we dare say it? Year six, sectum sempra, maybe wouldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> if Harry yeah. knew some Latin. If Harry knew some Latin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's always yeah. going to be those exceptional students, and this ties in with progressing yeah. the discussion. Like, there's going to be a lot of opportunity um, for, I guess, independent research and study. Um, Carla, you had some notes uh, here in the doc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I just noticed uh, going through it again, there's a huge emphasis on self-teaching in the books. Um, there's, I mean, the DA is the biggest example. Hermione is also very prominent. She teaches herself advanced magic. But um, then also the practical, the practicality of all the lessons. Harry uh, is barely in class in the Goblet of Fire. He basically learns it all outside. Fred and George, um, with their experiments, it's all self-taught. Um, and I was just wondering, like, it, I wonder if that's because it's necessary, because magic is a skill that you have to practice, you know? I mean, you can write essays on the theory, but in general, um, you have to practice and... Um, and hone that skill um, practically. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if Joe There's... wants to, like, is if Joe's telling us something with that, or is it just um, the necessity of the ma of the of the nature of magic? Well, Joe was a teacher, right? She yeah. taught for yeah. a while. And there's actually a lot of research that shows that um, inquiry, so, like, self-motivated inquiry, so looking up things for yourself, trying to figure it out, um, is one of the best ways to learn. Um, there's been a lot on education lately. There's been a lot more focus on instead of direct instruction, the teach, like the teacher standing up and giving a lecture, there's a more, more focus on students, um, 
the teacher's role being more of like a facilitator. So students are learning because, and if they're doing it this way, they'll care more. Um, and they usually retain more than if they're just like being talked at and memorizing. Um, if they're learning how to apply and they're looking for answers to their own questions. Um, so I see a lot of that in this and I think you're right. I think magic is kind of a, a kinesthetic thing. Um, and so you, you have to practice, like you have to physically do it sometimes. And that's one of the reasons why Umbridge fails so much in Order of the Phoenix, because she won't let them practice. She won't give them that time, that opportunity to practically apply what they're learning. So yeah, on this topic of independent study, I know we talked about uh, a lot as well, Dumbledore, um, Voldemort. Uh, all of the things that he does to uh, discover the depths of the human soul and dark evil are, are not things, as it turns out, he did learn some of it in a book, which is kind of cheap, and I, I hate that. Um, but a lot of it was, uh, you know, self-taught as well. He's traveling. There's all these references to travel and independent study. You You seem to learn by... By doing like we're talking about, all the greatest minds, Dumbledore, you know, traveled when he was younger, corresponded with wizards across the world. There seems to be a real heavy emphasis on the learning by doing and like the very nature of magic is something uh, that goes, that comes down to inquiry, like you were saying, Allison, like just your own gall and your own ability to question it with a full understanding of the risks that you could blow yourself up, like... Um, you know, Luna's mother, uh, accidentally, I know, I know that was, and I'm not saying she was unskilled for doing that, but there's accidents, there's real accidents yeah. that occur when you're meddling with that stuff. And so I, I guess like maybe Hogwarts exists as like a, um, uh, your general, you know, this is, uh, uh, quite a lot of ways into all the different realms of magic. And then if you want to pursue it further, like do so at your own risk, like this is a controlled environment, yeah. but Everything that we have for you that's above this level is going to be dangerous, and you want to make sure that you really want to get into it. And then when you do, it's going to be kind of self-taught or, you know, maybe there are internships. We mentioned aura training. Here's the uh, the full quote from the lexicon on aura training, which I think is the closest thing Wait, to... Oh, yeah, go on. But before, Sorry, before we go on to that, because we're talking about inquiry. Yeah. Uh, so the thing about inquiry is a lot of times it fosters innovation, but I'm thinking about the textbooks that they're using mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in their classes. And I'm like, wait, okay. Newt's commander published fantastic beasts and where to find them. For example, in 1927, Yeah, but they're still using it in the nineties. It's a great so book. <laughs> I'm curious as to why, well, it's a great book, but I'm curious as to why. And like Bathilda Bagshot, right? She's like, ancient and they're still using yeah. her history of magic but they like i think it like stops before everything that went down in godric's hollow so i'm curious then why they use such old textbooks like why are they not why is there not a new unless there's like new editions of these books well, all the time like every single year so would that mean like the standard book of spells grade three would have been different for the weasley twins than it was for harry ron hermione mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they updated it 
I think that's one of Hogwarts' problems, though, that they are very stuck in the past with a lot of things that they do. And I feel like that would include the magic that's being taught in the schools. I mean, I feel like this is kind of silly, but the thing that I thought of when you said that in a very Potter sequel, <laughs> when he like, this is written by who? Merlin? And it's good. <laughs> it's they so still look good as a mentor's spring break. Yeah. Oh, you think you're smarter than Merlin? No, that's what it makes me think of, is that that's one of the problems that Hogwarts has as a school, is that they're kind of teaching dated magic. And in a way, I mean, controversial, kind of what makes Snape one of the better, not better, but smarter teachers, is that he's teaching them things that he has figured out for himself. It's mm-hmm. not this old potions that he that people usually so it's get. sort of like your dad taking you by the hand and being like this is the way life is right mm-hmm. <laughs> versus you know we're gonna read this old dusty book i've yeah. never thought about snape yeah. in such a light before <laughs> um, yeah yeah i mean and I, mean, I feel like that's probably mm-hmm. another um one of the results of the population just being so small because there's not i mean there's a snape who could update the advanced book of potion making um uh, and just perfect it, but he's not going to do that. That's just not something he. He's got would so want much else do. going on. He's got so much else going on. He's a little. He's thinking about Lily. He boring. Kind of... <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. He's thinking about Lily most <laughs> of the time. I wonder and... if Harry took uh, his annotated version of that book and published it like, later on. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. Mm-hmm. Warrants yeah. further study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like That's... Snape is a perfect example of of bettering oneself. <laughs> Um, you know, he invented spells that did not exist before, uh, or I guess you can't really call it inventing, discovering, right? Yeah. Um, he's the first person to use Levy Corpus and because he does, it catches on and is a fad for, for, for a few years. Like, you know, this, the fact that new spells are being discovered, new potions, um, you know, the, 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 the one that allows uh, Lupin. Yeah. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, did not exist when Lupin was, was, was around. You, you could still have, when he was young, you could still have made it, but it just, nobody had. And so nobody yeah. knew about it. Um, pretty cool stuff. So, but there is a formal R training we mentioned. Uh, I'm going to yeah. just do a real quick, uh, read through of the, the lexicons, uh, paragraph on it. Um, training to be an R takes three years after leaving Hogwarts. The R is asked for a minimum of five newts with nothing under exceeds expectations grade. Apart from defense against the dark arts, the recommended newts include charms, potions, uh, particularly the study of poisons and antidotes within potions, and transfiguration. So we talked about how tra- uh, charms and transfiguration, there was sort of, sort of some blurred line there. Um, potions, poisons, and antidotes, that makes a lot of sense. And then defense against the dark arts makes all of the sense um, for being mm-hmm. an aura. Mm-hmm. Um Also... If a candidate for R training has the required academic qualifications, he or she must pass a background check for a criminal record and must pass a stringent series of character and aptitude tests at the R office. So I'm guessing some personality profiling going on, making sure that you can handle high stress environments, um, you know, maybe like a ropes course (laughs) type thing, magical ropes course. I I love the idea of like, you know, police academy, but for R's. Mm Mm-hmm. Police Academy, but magic. Magic. Sounds great. Um, and also, uh, the the further disciplines we mentioned, conce- like uh, stealth, um, concealment and disguise is specifically a subject that ours learn. Um, so disguise mm-hmm. would be another 
disguise strikes me as being like a Horace Slughorn in the couch sort of thing, yeah. right? Where it's like no no part of that was was a face or a human part, but he was oh. he was hiding, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um he did what Victor Crumb failed to do. Um <laughs> and also uh stealth and and tr- tracking. Um tracking mm-hmm. I feel like tracking I feel like probably has the most relevance for being the least mentioned of all like specific disciplines that exist in the wizarding world. I say that because uh, Harry's being tracked at all times or being protected by, by the Fidelius charm. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're tracking, they're tracking all wizards for the underage, you know, use of, of wizard of magic. Um, All like all underage wizards are, are being tracked to prevent the, you know, breakout of, of wizards from the muggles. Um, and like, I guess owl magic is, you know, probably something to do with that as well. Um, you know, how, how is a person's being manifested? What traces does it leave? And I guess, you know, when you're talking about the caterwauling charm and Hermione and Harry and Ron on the run in book seven, they have to do a lot of this sort of aura level disguise and concealment, um, which I'm assuming Hermione really just takes the lead on. Um, you know, in, in, in teaching them how to make themselves so that they're not emitting those, those signs and so that they are untrackable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, just how uh, the big question for me was always, um, also like when Harry turned 17, Voldemort can find him at the, at the, his aunt and uncle's house. Like mm-hmm. how, how does, how do you find just one person, so to speak? Yeah. Um, but it all, yeah, that, that all goes back again to the self-study where basically everything you need, you, you learn the basics, I feel like in Hogwarts, and then you apply them as needed to a specific situation or you perfect them there. Yeah. Um, and- like taking, like concealment and disguise, I always imagined, um, would be taking charms, what you learned in charms and transfiguration and combining it. To and applying to it to be, to be yourself. A, to apl- applicable for the situation, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a fantastic list here. I really want to know uh, who compiled this with students that that um, actually did go straight into professions mm-hmm. out of me. Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, nice work. Um, <laughs> because it's it's really great. I'm surprised there are this many to to actually note. Um, but there are, there actually is an example of you know college isn't missing the way I would, you know, thought it was at the beginning of this discussion. Uh, All of these students, you know, left Hogwarts and pretty much get jobs right away. Um, Actually, would you like to go through and read read about them since you did the work? Sure. Um, um, So I picked a bunch of different people who had different professions to kind of see the different range of what people could do out of Hogwarts. So Mm -hmm. first we have Oliver Wood, and I have a quote from Goblet of Fire for him. Um, It's Harry when he meets him at the Quidditch World Cup. Oliver Wood, the captain of Harry's house Quidditch team, who had just left Hogwarts, dragged Harry over to his parents to introduce him and told him excitedly that he'd just been signed on to Puddlemere United's reserve team. So, obviously, I love Oliver so much. (laughs) He got drafted. Yeah, he got drafted right out of Hogwarts. And also, on the same level, you can think of Crumb, who's been playing professionally since he was in school, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. He's playing at this World Cup that they're at, and it seems huh. to... Yeah. Quidditch feels like baseball in that mm-hmm. regard, where, like, kids will get drafted right out of high school to play baseball, but usually they'll be on the, like, triple-A mm-hmm. team. 
instead of the major league team. Yeah. I wonder how long you can play Quidditch mm. for. Well, and, and and I don't think Harry had an experience where, like, scouts, you know, from professional Quidditch leagues were coming to, like, you know, did we meet anybody from the England Quidditch yeah. team that sits in no. on Hogwarts games? Like, who no. who scouted Oliver Wood? Who was, like, this guy? Well, maybe, I wonder if, like, they go to, like, training camps or something, you mm-hmm. know? Or, like, maybe there were scouts there, we just didn't yeah, like, hear about Lucius Malfoy because... came to a game once, or is that just a movieism? Uh, I think it's legit in a book, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Probably, if then yeah, I feel one. like I feel like things like that might be open, or you could like make arrangements, like because also with Madame. This Hooch. is not in the books, yeah. but Ginny also is on the Hollyhead Harpies for a while yeah. before she becomes a reporter. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if Madame Hooch sets stuff up. Yeah. Well, like, if she, like, has contacts and she's like, hey, we've got this really good kid. He's a really great keeper. He's been a yeah. captain. Come take a look at him. And they do. And they're like, oh, yeah, we want him. Yeah. Well, because um, sports in, in Europe don't work, like, in America. Like, there's no drafting for soccer, for like, football, oh. for example, mm-hmm. or soccer for you guys. Yeah. Um, there, It's more like you can join a team and then you kind of get traded and there's no sort of real draft so i can imagine that he would would have gone to puddlemere or gone to tryouts um um for a couple teams either that and uh you know they host tryouts or there are like actually scouts and they're like hey wanna want a contract because um because it does say he was signed yeah yeah exactly so either he he would have you know they were looking for people and then um, and it was tryouts, and he goes, exactly, that he goes to the tryouts, and he's like, I want to play for this team, or I want to play for every team and does every tryout. I see Oliver Wood spending a month and just going to Quidditch tryouts. I do. <laughs> he goes to every team. <laughs> every single team. <laughs> he's like, I gotta play. I got friends with Harry Potter. Let me in. Let me in. Oh exactly. I won the Quidditch, the, the Quidditch Cup at Hogwarts. I finally year. did. It took forever. I did. I was a captain. He's probably stole it from Hogwarts, like from the trophy room. He probably <laughs> He's like carrying it around with him. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a He keeps it tucked next to I him love in his bed. <laughs> like a teddy bear. Okay. Well, the second one that we have is Fred and George Weasley together. And while they didn't complete their nudes, they zoomed off during their last year of Hogwarts while Umbridge was there. <laughs> Um, they they start a very successful joke shop in Diagon Alley with Harry's Triwizard Tournament money, of course. And at age 18, they become on their way to being the riches of all the Weasleys. So it's like... Well, that's for sure. You need... Mm-hmm. Do you, it's like the question, do you really need your newts? Do you really need... Because also, Harry and Ron, they don't get their newts. Yeah. 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 Well, he's Harry freaking Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... And that goes back to the the lack of structure. I mean, there were Harry and the other champions had no exams in in the fourth year. In the second year, all exams were canceled. canceled. And the biggest question there is again, what about the owls and newts? Yeah, no, right. Well, but they take those earlier than everyone else. I think that's the explanation. But you know, they're very lax with exams. So you know, it's such a good protection because I was like, man, if you were fifth or seventh year in Harry's (laughs) second. Or fourth years, you got the shaft. Yeah. Oh no! In his fourth year, everyone else had exams. Harry. Just oh, he just didn't. He okay, great. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, like Fred and George are the perfect example of like, you know, they become proprietors of their own shop. Now, they're also the perfect example of independent study because as you mentioned, uh, Carla, they had their their spells uh, or sorry, their experiments Mm -hmm. um, all throughout, you know, both in Hogwarts during the year and at home. And, you know, when Harry goes to the burrow and there's just explosions (laughs) coming from their room and smoke (laughs) and it's like, oh, that's just Fred and George. I mean- they really, I think, through doing, through practicing on each other too, they're not afraid to try their spells out on each other and themselves, which is very yeah. dangerous, but also very bold and brave and Gryffindory. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, you get like this idea that they've put in the hard work, the legwork of of learning more about magic, and they're able to offer a more concrete product. They're uh, they're what like trick wands or rubber wands last longer than any other joke shop rubber wand, you know, mm-hmm. and it's the same with their other products. They're creating, uh, they, they, their own, they're, they're edging the market, um, or cornering the market on, you know, actually really superior items and then selling them capitalistically for profit. Um, uh, yeah, like even the ministry is l- like legitimately bought something they can they, they create as a joke item. I and then the ministry is like, no, these are legitimately good quality products. We want a whole set for our orders. I feel like um, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm done. I feel like they're also a really good example to the question: Does standardized testing really like grade how mm-hmm. good you are? They only get three owls each. Exactly. I think they're extremely smart. Even Hermione says that when she goes to their shop. Yeah, exactly. They are extremely smart. These two. Yeah, they're the perfect example of someone who doesn't has all well. the smarts but doesn't test well. Just needs the something that they that they're interested in something to motivate them sort of thing like well, to focus their their intelligence i guess to and they're yeah. entrepreneurs like yeah. that's that's what they are they're yeah. not they don't care much about education exactly. there's a lot of people who like i mean bill gates steve jobs mm-hmm. dropped out of college yeah. right mm-hmm. <laughs> and went exactly. on to create they're almost like that situation right where they didn't need that, but they went on to oh my God, you guys. thing just because they had that kind of savvy. You know? Oh my God, you guys, the, the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> Fred and George, the American dream. I love it. Um, yeah, but and like also, I, I think Fred and George could have gotten more OWLs, but it was yeah. their tremendous focus, right? Their narrow focus on what they already knew, unlike all of us, but they already knew what they wanted to do when they grew up. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Hey, we don't even need to pay attention in this class. I don't even know if they attended, you know, some of the classes. <laughs> they probably skip you class know. all the time. They, they made something to get you out of class, like they're yeah. yeah. <laughs> They probably yeah. there's probably that one really um, naive teacher who feels really bad and is always writing Mr. and Mrs. Weasley for like Fred and George are so sick all of the time. You must just be <laughs> so upset. They never, you never come. They never come to my class. I feel so bad for and them. And Molly is oh, just boys. like. Oh. My yeah, gosh. the one teacher who <laughs> doesn't know about the skiving snack boxes. He's just like, oh, this feels bad. Um, They're probably like best friends with Madame Pomfrey. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, she I, was I, probably a really good resource. One hundred percent. I oh my gosh, now I want like a a, a Buddy small comedy. Thick. <laughs> exactly like a like a little short story about them going to her and. She's just like their bro. Like, oh, come on, mm-hmm. you, so again. you again? Again? <laughs> what is it this time? <laughs> yeah. Well, offering we've... like suggestions on how it works yeah, better. Yeah, be funny. Anyway, 
off topic. (laughs) (laughs) Moving down the line to another Weasley, um, we have Percy Weasley, who right after leaving Hogwarts, Percy begins working in the Department of International Magical Cooperation right under Barty Crouch Sr. There you have an example of uh, not nepotism, but like, you know, his his dad works for the government, so he gets a government job right mm-hmm. out of high school. Yeah. Maybe there would be more steps traditionally between working in a department. Sure. I, I mean, a senior undersecretary to the apprentice of the apprentice of the apprentice of the minister for magic. But, you know, like mm-hmm. there there's that happens in real life where, you know, if you have family in a profession, they can get you in. But also... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's like an internship. I always felt like that's what Percy was doing because he's doing such dumb, yeah. boring things. He's doing like an entry level internship, you know, where he's just like they're like, here's all the grunt work. Here's a kid who yeah. can do it. Yeah. Paper. But I mean, I think <laughs> Arthur doesn't have. I mean, people know him in the ministry, but I don't think he has that much leeway because I mean, his job. I mean, he thinks it is, but some people don't think it's that important. I agree. I yeah, I agree. It didn't. I don't think it got Percy all of that far. Because he was head but... boy, though. Percy. I mean, I'm sure that got Ooh, him yeah. somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe what what got him far is uh, Arthur probably talked about his sons at his job, and then Percy kept coming up as this shining star uh, student, model student, and that impressed someone maybe. Yeah. Percy was probably valedictorian of his year. I know that's 100%. not necessarily a thing, but... And I can see him, like, going to the ministry and going to yeah. different departments and, like... Shad- shadowing. For, like, dropping off a resume, you yeah, know, like, to some extent. Making you know? contacts already, And yeah. just being... Yeah, where he's like, hello, I'd like to come intern well, for yeah, you. Like, like, hey, I'm Dad, Percy Weasley. I'll come to work with you today just to see what's going on in the ministry. Schmooze with your, your <laughs> higher-ups. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. But I th- back to the saying, I do think that being a prefect and being a head boy or girl really does have some leeway in the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Percy's book was like, what are they, like ministers that were prefects or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> what, prefects who, prefects who accomplished something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> God, okay. yeah. And then to a, to a darker side, uh, we have Tom Riddle, Voldemort next. Um, mm mm-hmm. After Hogwarts, he first asked the headmaster Dippet at the time if he could teach Defense Against the Dark Arts, like, right out of Hogwarts, age 18, let me be a teacher, which sounds strange. And he was declined. And then why? It said, I remember, it's... I think he told him he was too young, right? Too young, I think, yeah. Yeah, it said, when I was reading, I think it was on the Lexicon or HP Wiki or something like that, it was, yeah, um... That it, he said it was for undisclosed reasons that he would tell him, like, when he was older. Like, he just don't understand yet. Kind of that thing. <laughs> I'm surprised Dippet was not murdered by, I by know, Tom right? in, like, a rage. <laughs> that's actually, like, a good point. <laughs> and between that time, he tra- that's when he traveled to Albania to get the diadem, kill a peasant, make the Horcrux. And right after he makes the Horcrux, he returns to Britain, and then he's offered a lot of positions in the ministry, because Slughorn has been, like, talking him up a lot to people. But he turns them all down, and he decides to work at Borgen and Burks. So you can work at a specialty shop as a, as a well, he became, we know, like a, a connoisseur, like a traveling, uh, what is it, acquisitions, you know, sort of dude. Um, Almost kind of like what yeah, Bill does. Yeah, they say he was very good at, like... Yeah, like an, an ambassador of sorts, mm-hmm. like... Uh, you know, oh, on God. behalf of the sh- the the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, they said I, I just, he was good at his, they, they said he was on there, that he was very good at his job at Borgen and Burks. They liked him a lot, even though it's like, you're smarter than this. You could be doing other things. You could be yeah, better. he was like able to get people to part with things because he could charm them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's why they sent him to Hepzibah mm-hmm. Smith, because mm-hmm. they wanted. I mean, and in the case of Tom Riddle, you have an extremely gifted student. He probably, I mean, he, he could have been a teacher right off the bat, like at age 18, he could be teaching 11 to 18 year olds to do some of this stuff. Because, I mean, if you really look at his record, he created a Horcrux when he was 15, um, yeah. which is something no other wizard, no other wizard has done more than one of ever. And he did it when he was 15. He also opened the Chamber of Secrets and all of that stuff. Like, yeah. I feel like he, he didn't is, put that it, on his resume, though. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Surely, surely not. But like, can you imagine? Yeah. His magical skill is yeah. so. Um, exceeding everyone else's and the teachers know it you know when you when you hear about McGonagall talk about the Marauders in book three um, and how like really talented James and Sirius were she's not necessarily talking about their their egos like always pretending they're great she's seen their work she's Mm -hmm. seen their homework she's seen like all of the you know whatever result their their actual coursework is is providing and it would be the same with Tom Riddle you know Slughorn uh, to him, you know, Tom was the the student that really got it. You know, the the student that always asked the right questions and always wanted to know more. And and so through that, you know, reputation, but also Voldemort, you know, young Tom Riddle really reaped those rewards and really really understood and accomplished a lot even while he was still at school. So when it comes to facing the wider world. He's an immediate choice for positions in government, in school, you know, being a teacher, training others to do what he's just basically just got done learning. He's immediately um, qualified for any of those future positions because of how good he was at school. Yeah. And then again, of course, later he asked to be asked Dumbledore for the position and it is turned down once again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then after Voldemort, we have Severus Snape. Um, and it seems that he, there is no record of him actually having a job apart from being a Death Eater straight out of school. Mm. So that was his job. He joins a gang. <laughs> he joins a gang. <laughs> um, they really like him. He's really popular. Until he switches back over and he begins teaching at Hogwarts as a potions master in 1981 when he's only 21 years old, which is also, mm-hmm. I think, pretty young. And also, I find very strange that that means apart. Well, it would be like four of the years that he's teaching. He went to Hogwarts with them, like at the same time. He's teaching. Oh, the- that is weird. Yeah, yeah, he's teaching kids he went to oh, Hogwarts with. Bizarre. Yeah, like they're a little but, I mean, far away, but, but I'm sure I guess you'd that, know them. I guess that happens. Like, yeah. Like, think about. Oh, sorry. I guess that can happen. Oh, I was gonna say. I guess that can happen. Like at the university level. Like, I feel like I know people that are TAs mm-hmm. for classes with people they've had classes with you know i mean i guess that's a little bit different like in high middle school high school yeah and the fact especially the fact that um when i'm thinking about relationship wise when and we see in the prince's tale that lucius is in fifth year and he becomes like he welcomes snape in and becomes kind of friendly with him so it would make sense that he would know these kids pretty well Mm -hmm. especially the slytherin ones you'd probably be really lenient with them Mm -hmm. yeah I wonder, was he potions master though? I think we've talked about this before. If there's like multiple teachers in each subject, or like there can't there is divination. I wonder if he did almost. 
I wonder if he did almost like an an internship, like if Slughorn was still there, and so for a couple of years he and Slughorn taught. Well, so it's almost like a teaching. Didn't Slughorn he took over the first years? Away. Maybe didn't Slughorn leave because yeah. of Voldemort? Like he left a while ago, I think, or like around the. Did he, he like left, or I, I know, know he left something like either right after Voldemort, like was destroyed because he was... I'm not... I forget. I forget. But I don't know if he was actually there. I I'm gonna look it up real quick. don't remember that. Because I always got the feeling he, like, quote-unquote retired after a while. But I think he was there for a long time. I think he just retired, and then but then he uh, kind of disappeared from his retirement home and uh, went on the run because he was worried when Voldemort came back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, I found it here. Well, anyway. he was. It was. It says that he was a Hogwarts potions master until 1981. So that means that Snape took the position uh. from him, and he was the teacher. Oh, okay. Where'd you find um, that? It's on the Harry Potter lexicon. I would love to know oh what the circumstances were. I don't... If it's on lexic, I trust it a lot a, more in the lexicon. Do they have a source for that though? Yeah. Um, because I feel like on Pottermore it talks about McGonagall like learning from Dumbledore. In the Transfiguration True. Department. But wasn't that a special like, circumstance? Oh, was because he wasn't headmaster yet? No, and so, like, he was still teaching, and she was learning from him, but she was teaching. But then again, this is a number one, another one of Dumbledore's, Snape is an asset, I need him here right now to be a teacher. You know what I mean? So he could, but I mean, he still could have done that, but he could have mm -hmm. been like, Horace, you want to retire soon, right? I'm going to bring on a new guy for a while. Teach him what you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think in the case of Snape, too, it would have been very evident to the teachers uh, that Snape was very gifted in potions. Mm -hmm. So he's a natural fit for that class. But the fact that he got the position as quickly as he did and as young as he did is an indicator of Dumbledore strategically placing yeah. Snape. He's yeah. like, oh, because, mm -hmm. you know, he left he left Hogwarts, joined a gang, joined the <laughs> Death Eaters. I mean, it's basically that's it, right? It's yeah. gang. Um, yeah. or the mafia, if you want to call it organized. It's almost more of a cult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you join, join organized crime. And then it's like, yeah, you can be a teacher. <laughs> um, but it made, it, it's a natural fit. Like mm -hmm. potions. Great. It's, it's because he's so good at them. Definitely. You always forget how young Snape is in the books when you have Alan Rickman in mind, you know? It's true. Mm -hmm. It's, that's a, that's a, as much as I love Alan Rickman, it's one of the failings of the films, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I that's so off topic, but I just hate how um, old they make James and Lily in the films. It's one of my mm -hmm. biggest pet peeves. Yeah. Well, because it has to correspond, yeah. right? Yeah. Or it'd be weird it'd be like he was in love with her and she's so young. And <laughs> yeah. And then okay, yeah. moving right along to um, Professor McGonagall, and this is a quote that comes from her Pottermore story. Upon graduation from Hogwarts, Minerva returned to the to the manse to enjoy one last summer with her family before setting out for London, where she'd been offered a position at the Ministry of Magic at the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. So she, kind of like Percy, got a job right out the bat at the Ministry. Hmm. But I think she had all excellent grades, didn't she? Wasn't she, like, oh, yeah. top of her class yeah, as well? Yeah, she was, like, yeah. a star she student. Was... She had played she wanted Quidditch. Quidditch player, she was... but she got hurt in her yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. So I'm sure someone, like, gave her some... Mm. I mean, it's got to be it, right? Like, recommendations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, sure by owl, that. just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, absolutely, like, let me recommend this person for this you know, position. 
Um, whether she trains her shadows first is 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 entirely you know up to you, but I can recommend, and that's got to be how it's done, like old school, just correspondence and and recommendations. Definitely, yeah. So uh, we talked about Dumbledore and Voldemort, um, and this is a slight change of subject. Actually, I'm trying to remember what my tangent was in bringing this up, like <laughs> the thread. Um, but the origins of Azkaban. So the, when we were talking, we were talking about Voldemort, like, and the independent study aspect of, I guess, going to a forest. I don't know why Albania is so darn popular, um, but but Quirrell <laughs> goes there. It's a vacation destination for people interested in the dark arts, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, Albania, like, sitting in a forest, um, communing with nature or snakes or whatever it is we think that, that Voldemort truly did, um, to discern, to discover um, elements of the magical world. There's also this element of, of, of higher magic that leaves traces. And so I, I wanted to bring this in on the education discussion because you know it's the extent to which humans can wield magic. And if it's not taught, why is it not taught? And sort of what is like, is there an institution or is there an institution around it? So not getting off to origins of Azkaban, but like when Dumbledore in the cave scene is feeling the wall and muttering, you know, in a different language, yeah. we don't know how the heck did he learn this language? The question is, how the heck did he learn that? You know, how do you actually learn to feel the air around you to know that you've got to reach and grab, uh, you know, a, a ch- uh, an invisible chain to pull a boat out? Now, some of that was Dumbledore knowing Voldemort as a person. He was able to intuit what Voldemort would have done. You know, I I get that. But there's very legitimately, like, in book six in the cave scene, too, uh, a feeling that Dumbledore understands the way that the spell itself is working. And he, just like, by, by, by thinking hard about it and being extra perceptive. Yeah. You kind of, it's kind of a big blank spot where, and mm-hmm. like in the case of Dumbledore's knowledge, I mean, hey, maybe we'll learn something in Fantastic Beasts. That would be nice. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be but, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you kind of assume you have the thing where he corresponded all the time with um, like great wizards. Maybe Nicholas Swamel taught him something. That would be nice. I'm yeah, sure he's I mean, there's nothing like a, ment- <laughs> a mentor who's 500 years older than you. Yeah. I mean, think about independent study, how much time yeah. Nicholas Flamel had to do that. No kidding. <laughs> um, um, as to why they don't teach it in, in school or don't offer it, I think it's probably because that's just something not everyone can handle. I feel yeah. like that's so advanced yeah. that um, it really... They, it's best if those only those who really um, know that like could even come up with the idea that this is a thing that you can feel magic sort of in the air um, and then are willing to dedicate themselves to learning that to discovering it are the only ones who kind of get a grasp on it or are introduced yeah. to it because I feel like it's something that not everyone could handle but th- mm-hmm. there are these disciplines though like stealth and concealment that you learn once you become an aura like that's yeah. a formalized that's formal training uh, yeah. so why isn't there a tertiary education why isn't there a college that that teaches more advanced than the seven years at Hogwarts uh, for, for all departments mm-hmm. and why is there for instance why is there a restricted section in the library at Hogwarts what are those books mm-hmm. about now 
Yeah. I think they said, aren't those mostly used for, like, new yeah. students? Like, they're, like, the, like, advanced things that they're like yeah we don't need 11 year olds getting but so like in a normal in a normal seventh year at hogwarts which we did not experience you would think that maybe people would be doing like theses and working and working on probably you -hmm. know sort of higher theory books so that's why it's but you could also just accidentally cut your arm off if you say the wrong word um Mm -hmm. you know if you're not already having the six years of of hogwarts training behind you so that that makes sense um also on that topic, it reminds me that Dumbledore himself banned the topic of Horcruxes from the library, yeah. um, and teachers weren't allowed to talk about it. You can it from his office. Uh, I, that's that's the worst. Um, yeah, like uh, yeah. So so that's but that's an, an instance of the headmaster setting the curriculum mm-hmm. or a headmaster. Yeah. Um, what's the word? Censoring. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what what topics can be taught yeah. at the. Uh, at the level, so I guess you know censorship is something that uh, the the headmaster certainly has powers um, to do. But but back to really high magic. Um, when I was thinking about this, I I remembered on Pottermore um, the the bit about how prisoner uh, the, the prison Azkaban got started. I'm gonna read a small excerpt uh, on Azkaban right here. The fortress has existed since the 15th century and never appeared on any Muggle map. The original inhabitant of the island was a dark sorcerer named Ecrisdis, who lured unsuspecting sailors into his lair and tortured them. After Ecrisdis died, the Ministry of Magic discovered the island and found it was infested with Dementors. Uh, Minister for Magic Damocles Rall later decided the island was a perfect place for a new prison, and he wanted the Dementors to become the guards. So Dementors in the Wizarding World are a very interesting species. Um, I think there was speculation, if it wasn't in fact all out confirmed, that they are like a manufactured, like, you can create them in a very weird way? No, they're created from like... She actually No, that's she, how they, they like multiply. She actually answered this, didn't she, just recently on Pottermore. Now that I'm thinking about it. How are Dementors? Oh. When a mommy Dementor <laughs> and a daddy Dementor <laughs> It's like they like grow like mold yeah. or something like fungus. There's something that has to do with like fungus. They definitely uh, breed. De- oh, actually you know some, what? No, they don't. Uh, according no. to Google, Dementors do not breed. No, there'll be no sweet, sweet love in Azkaban tonight. But rather <laughs> I don't know who I don't know who wrote this. This is this is this is Google. I just googled oh how are dementors created. Um, but it says okay, so it says uh, but rather grow like fungi under certain conditions. They multiply by feeding. They multiply by multiply. feeding off human despair. It's sort of like osmosis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, human despair, unhappiness, hopelessness, and are akin to depression. They're pretty insidious creatures. Uh, my whole point in bringing this up now is whatever Ecrisdis did to torture unsuspecting people, not even necessarily wizards. Did it say wizards? No, just sailors. So he, it's, it's, it's an, that act of torturing humans uh, that creates such suffering that essentially a black hole is torn open in in space, and you have this island which is particularly forever marked. Right, magic always mm-hmm. leaves traces, says Dumbledore to Harry. Um, and you know, Azkaban is an example of 
this very dark sorcerer who did unspeakable acts and it is like it's a permanent home for for just darkness and evil and you know so learning that that was the the basis for the you know the prison when the government's just like we have this piece of land we've discovered we don't have anything to you know nothing you know no ideas on what else to do for it might as well make it a prison it feels that way anyway they're actually buying into the existing like the ether of this is what this place was this is the only option that this place has to be based on what has happened there in the past and the idea that any human can really affect the world in such a way that centuries later five or six hundred years uh later there's still this dementors are 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 drawn to this space and it's it's like such a home for for despair is kind of really interesting well, the the way it's written on Pottermore is actually fascinating. It says, The very walls of the building seemed steeped in misery and pain, and the Dementors were determined to cling to it. Experts who had studied buildings built with and around dark magic contended that Azkaban might wreak its own revenge upon anybody attempting to destroy it. The fortress was therefore left abandoned for many years, a home to continually brooding Dementors. So there's almost this sense of, like, magic leaves can leave such strong traces even that, like, inanimate things that have been strengthened with magic enough can do things like mm-hmm. enact their own revenge. To become sentient. Which is crazy. Mm, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is all within the realm of capability for a single wizard. Mm-hmm. A single mm-hmm. witch or wizard human can affect the world in such a huge way. So, yeah, it ex- it exists in canon that there are just these insane extensions of what human beings can do to the world around them and universe, which is why it was important, I think, to talk about education because, you know, how much is being done to protect, uh, you know, younger wizards and, you know, really, if if you are interested, as I would be, I think, you know, in, in learning the mysteries of the universe, uh, where do you go to for that and and who do you seek out? And Maybe. how is it, you know, at what point do your instructors no longer offer you what you need? Like what happened with Voldemort? I wonder if there's anything in the Department of Mysteries that you can, like, at the ministry study things. Like, I don't they, like, study the veil down there? Or they did at yeah. some point? Yeah. Yeah. That could be um, one yeah. place to do something. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. I feel also like um, I always thought that uh, St. Mungo's probably has some kind of labs where they can experiment, for example, on mm-hmm. dragon's blood. Maybe they offer, yeah. they rent out the lab to yeah, young... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad Mungo's was brought up too because, yeah, yeah, like if you if you become a healer, if you just want to be a Madame Pomfrey, like a school matron, yeah. um, you know, where's where's your training and to be a doctor, to be, uh, to work at Mongo's, what, what wonder, is that, what does that training look like? I wonder if she used to work there before Hogwarts. It makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I feel like, Definitely. I feel like, just like the aura office, like, I feel like, um, Mongo's would have a, a, a three or five year program of studying specifically medicinal, you know, and healing type yeah. magic. Spending um, like a certain amount of time on each floor with the different kind of, melodies um, and, illnesses and yeah well and 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 before we um move on to i want to bring up uh journalism 
um you know mm-hmm. for the for the huge role mm-hmm. that the daily prophet oh, plays yeah. in in the mindset and yeah. well and well-being of people at large what qualifications does somebody have to be to to be your next like Rita Skeeter? We know she's a hack. Mm-hmm. We know she's awful, vindictive person who's let loose and allowed to continue her reign of completely fabricated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, terror. But you know, what are her qualifications? Did she go to school for article writing, or does she just you know wear a cool outfit? <laughs> and a lot of people take you know, like yeah, like what exactly is that? Xenophilius too with his, with the quibbler. The quibbler, mm-hmm. yeah, and his is his exactly. is an independent. Yeah. Well, his is yeah. like yeah, self published. You can do that. Um, with I wonder. I'm sh- I'm sure it's just writing skill. Like I'm sure maybe she started out with like editorials or something, or like sending things in. Maybe she got again an internship kind of thing where she was basically just like copy editing or something and writing on the side, or maybe she wrote a book first and then that's how they. Like found her. Yeah, or or they have like you can submit articles and you know yeah. Too you bad get they don't a have a school number. paper at Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, Maybe right. They do when Harry just do they I don't not think so? Do they? The flying. I've pig. never heard of one. I thought I yeah. read somewhere there was one, but maybe I. You know what? There are organizations <laughs> within Hogwarts like clubs, right? Uh, yeah. The Gobstones Club and the yeah and. Choir. You just don't hear yeah. that's a movieism. Well, but well, well, there, there, there is, there's something, there's something because somehow Hermione finds that thing on Eileen right. Prince, right? Oh, yeah. She finds a thing like an article that mentions she's the captain of the Gobstones like, Club. Sorry, was so that not Daily Prophet? There's got to be some sort of like record keeping or newspaper or yearbook or something yeah, at but the Daily Prophet's weird and they like cover Hogwarts Quidditch matches and stuff like that or like Harry's dating life like they do? yeah <laughs> yeah well. they cover like really like why do you know this <laughs> that's stuff that's because it's like, Harry they cover stuff about Hogwarts a lot which is strange that's interesting well I think maybe the big things that happen on Hogwarts they cover because it's such a small mm-hmm. community and pretty much everyone went to or has kids there yeah so, I mean, I guess it's like a staple in that community, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a touchstone. So everybody like is invested in what's going on at yeah. Hogwarts. Well, which is mean, I think like that clip about Eileen Prince may have been from the Daily Prophet. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't say, just says a very old piece of newsprint. Newsprint. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, well, we. Oh, yeah, be... here, no. The library. There's a whole collection of old prophets up there. Okay, there we old go. Old prophets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what's the Daily Prophet? So the Daily yeah. Prophet functions not only as a national newspaper, but as a school newspaper. As a school newspaper. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it is the only school in in England uh, you that you go to if you're a wizard, then it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Germany and France probably have their own newspapers. Well, yeah, in Fantastic um, Beasts, there's the German news. I was on Speak Beast this week also. We talked about. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There is a German <laughs> newspaper that comes up at the beginning of the film. There's the American paper that comes up. So there are, like, each country has their own big one. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. You're double dipping your podcast. Yes, I am. Uh, week, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we would be completely remiss if we did an episode on education and didn't talk about some of the people who instruct our young ones. Um, we've had so many teachers throughout uh, Harry's six years of attending Hogwarts, um, both good and bad. 
And we can talk a lot about this, but um, I did want to ask because, Carla, you mentioned like having this focus on trust. Can you talk about what specifically like you researched? Yeah, definitely. So um, the the thesis itself went pretty a little farther compared and like contrasted sort of compassion, trust, and motivation in teenage students with regards to their teachers. Um, and I've kind of trimmed it down, I guess. Um, uh, basically, so trust is very vital in any learning situation. Like it's something that you you need to trust your teacher, you need to trust your yeah. parents in order to learn from them. Um, but the problem with the student-teacher relationships is that they're very asymmetrical. So the teacher has more power mm. um, than the student. And because of this, it's hard to get trust going because you have to um you have to risk their the other person's betrayal when trusting someone so the risk is greater for the person with less power in this case the student so they're not going to trust from their side um so the trust has to come from the teacher the teacher has to kind of initiate the 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 trusting relationship and then then it can be reciprocated and then you know we can get to learning um so based on whether a teacher shows trust or trusts their students um, makes a huge difference in the Harry Potter world. Um, I've noticed about whether what kind of teaching style, what kind of teaching goals they have, um, how much the students learn, um, the environment, about everything. Because there's kind of three components, three um, things I wanted to get into. What when If a student trusts their teacher, what it what it results in mm -hmm. they can trust their the teacher's competence and their knowledge of the subject um they can trust them to mark their work fairly treat everyone fairly and they can um trust them to give pause or like not be negative in the feedback that they give so they can trust the teacher um enough to dare to make mistakes and give wrong answers and all of these if they have all three trusts like if they trust in all three aspects, then um, then students are mo most likely to be motivated and to learn most, and it's most likely um, going to be a very positive relationship. And um, and I've noticed like I noticed that you can apply this to the different teachers of Hogwarts really nicely. Um, mm -hmm. And for example, McGonagall is a great example. Umbridge is a great example. One in the positive, one in the negative. Um, I don't know if we want to just go through the teachers and then I can throw yeah, in. Yeah, well, Allison, as, an, as yeah. an educator yourself, Allison, how do you feel about sort of this model and looking at the trust relationship? Because actually there is, you know, when talking about a student-teacher bond, there is a very implied but also earned, you know, bond. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think, I mean, it's, it's incredibly important. Um, it makes teaching a lot more difficult when you don't, when you have that lack of, I mean, what it really boils down to is trust and kind of respect mm -hmm. even. Um, and when that's not there, nothing else happens. Um, it's one of the biggest things that you have to establish right off the bat is you have to establish that trust and that respect mm -hmm. and start building that so that you can get to content. Otherwise everything is just shot and there's no way you're going to do yeah. anything. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that that's really important. And I, it, it, 
I think you're right. Like you, you made a note here about Hagrid. Like they like, they trust Hagrid. And so they will pay attention in his class. They'll stand up for him to other students, but other students don't have that, that loyalty to him. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of see his teaching style. And I mean, even Hermione who does have that loyalty to him is like, mm, he's yeah. not great, <laughs> but they still will participate and like try in his class and do things for him because they like him. They respect him. Exactly. Whereas like Lockhart, by the end, they're all like, you're a joke. None of us want to be yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Why are we here? This exactly. is hell. You know? And it's just that lack um, of, complete lack of trust in their, uh, in the teacher to know what they're doing mm-hmm. and to do it properly. That just completely makes it impossible to, uh, learn, basically. Yeah. And if you look at, like, Harry, the, the classes that Harry learns in least, I think the top one is history of magic. You have mm-hmm. a, a a teacher that does not engage his students. Um, Literally dead. You know, it, it's because he's dead. But also, I mean, he could, <laughs> he could if he wanted to. Like, you know, he answers questions. He's able to talk to the students. But, yeah. you know, you have a very poor relationship. Something fails there. Like, if you had to identify or diagnose, where's the trust fail in, in, in Professor Bin's and History of Magic? Like, because these students are not engaged. I don't know if anyone does well in History of Magic. Harry certainly, you know, Hermione. doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Hermione, right? Yeah. But that's because she is, in general, more capable and more engaged to listen yeah. no matter what. She has yeah. the trust that Binz knows what he's talking about. But these other students, especially Harry, need need something more out of Professor Binz yeah. if they are to learn. Yeah. There, it, uh, it just completely, it it's already in the, because trusting is a social interaction. And there's just no interaction there. So there's no, you can't trust if there's no interaction, right? There's no chance at all for any kind of trust. That's where I think it fails. I feel like the way that this kind of also relates, like, for me as a student, like, it, the, the teacher makes the class because I'm an English minor and I love English classes, but I had some English teachers and it's like, I can't, I can't, I love this, this subject. I can't do this class. I hate it so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. that's kind of how it is for Harry because he hates Snape and he doesn't do good at potions. I mean, yes, he has the book mm-hmm. in the next year, but he's, he, but even in his owls, he ended up getting a exceeds expectations. He wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, and, and we look at like failings too. Um, the extreme opposite end of that, like for me, and I think if we had to like poll ourselves, who is our favorite teacher at Hogwarts? Some people might say McGonagall, which is fine. Some people might say Flitwick. He's underrated. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. But my favorite is Remus Lupin. And I think if you look at it, if you break it down, like there's all three of these trusts exist between Harry and Lupin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. So, um, and the, yeah. Well, just going off that, it's just very interesting to note that, I mean, all of them may, <clears throat> I would argue that um, McGonagall, all of these trusts exist as well, just on a completely different um, scale. Like, for example, McGonagall, um, McGonagall, I'm just, I'm just going to dive right in here. McGonagall is, um, she gives a little bit of trust by laying down the rules. Like in her first lesson, she says, this is how it is. This is what I expect from you. And I trust you to succeed. Um, I trust in your abilities to do this. Um, and then they kind of give a little trust back by, you know, following. And then it sort of spirals. It go- it grows and grows and grows when they when when she follows through on all of on on her fairness, on her rewards, on her punishments. 
Um, mm-hmm. um, and someone like like Hermione does really, really well in that environment. That is exactly the type of environment that she needs to learn. Neville, on the other hand, she's McGonagall's completely confident in, in Neville. She tells him, I think, um, in the fifth book, yes, even you, uh, Mr. Longbottom, you can uh, get an owl too. Your <laughs> only problem is confidence. Mm-hmm. She is. She knows. Of well, she, told, she tells him in the sixth book too. Exactly. She says that like she stands up for him. To, she says, "No, you have an ability in charms. Do it." So. I'll drop your grandmother yeah, exactly. and tell her just because she failed charms doesn't mean it's not something you need to do. You're going to take yeah. charms. But, um, like, she knows their individual exactly, strengths. Exactly. She's going to put them in yeah, that direction. But but her style just isn't something that Neville can thrive in. It, but in Lupin, in in Lupin's class, he is he probably gets really, really, really good marks. I don't We don't know what he gets in uh, in the final exam, but he just blossoms in that class yeah, while Hermione on the other hand um she in the final exam we see her running out because the bogart got to her right so that's probably not the entire not particularly the environment she doesn't I mean for her Hermione standards yeah, the she class, doesn't do as well as really with McGonagall point. you know the class <laughs> so has like to do making... with emotion and she's not Hermione's not good she wants to know the rules of how to do something that's yeah. how she learns exactly yeah, yeah. And so it really cu- it really depends on um, what how you learn how you would like to learn how you learn best that makes uh, that that makes the your favorite teacher kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah and Lupin and Lupin had the very practical, you know, ex- mm-hmm. you th- you th- uh, class experience. You think about um, the Bogart, for instance, but and but also like a recurring theme between. Whether it's McGonagall or Lupin, you know the real the attention to the individual and yeah. cl- class uh-huh. sizes facilitate that. I think, um, which is another huge whole thing when talking about the real world education system. Like the mm-hmm. teachers, the good teachers are able to make time and have time for each of the students in their class. And I think it might be a mark of a failure of Lupin that Hermione did so poorly against the Bogger, but it also just might be her own. Because you said, like, her own personal, like, she can't put the the possibility that she failed the test. She can't separate it from reality, like, mm-hmm. because she's also very heavily insecure. Um, but, like, Lupin, I think, for the most part, was, again, very um, specific to, to – he gave each of those students what they individually needed. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. I think that shows in his anticipation of what their boggarts will be, you know, pulling mm-hmm. Harry out of that class um, or out of the, the opportunity, uh, regardless of why he says he doesn't, is, you know, a safe a safe thing because he, he knows that Harry is particularly horrified of what's going to happen. And the way he gives mm-hmm. Neville confidence at the beginning with he, giving, telling exactly. him to put Snape in his grandmother's clothes. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. This um, that that last one. That daring, daring to make mistakes. Students are allowed to make mistakes or uh, just try something new without a fear of making a mistake. Um, that Lupin excels in that. Completely. To create a really safe space. Exactly. A really safe. He yeah. gets the perfect. There's a. I don't know. I don't know the word in English. It's one of those. Uh, uh, official terms that I learned in German. Um, but there's this comfort zone. You've got your comfort zone, then you've got your um, a, a zone around that. That's an optimal learning zone or something like that. Hmm. Like you, you want to push yourself outside of your comfort zone, but um, not so far that you're in the um, that you're gonna 
completely fail, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, like, like fear, un- unproductive kind of... Exactly. There's exactly. motivational yeah. fear and then yeah. un- exactly. like the unproductive, oh my god, I'm going to die kind of fear. Yeah, so you want to push yourself like to that point, that, that, that point where you're, I feel you're, like... you're pushing yourself to, to learn... Mm-hmm. Because because you're doing something completely new and something you've never done before, but you're not going too far. And Lupin is able to push every student to perfectly to that point. Mm-hmm. What is the word in German? I'm curious. I honestly can't remember it now. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> on the other side of the fear... I, I'll think oh, of it, but... No. On the other side of the fear it. thing, there's, of course, again, Snape with... When okay, Neville, do this right, or I'm gonna kill your frog. Oh, you know right, your I frog mean? will yeah. die. Yes. We're gonna poison your frog. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that. And like one could argue, right? That Snape at his wits' end because he's like, I can't reach this boy. Um, yeah. You know, we need to. Maybe this will motivate okay. you. Yeah. Um, but it's if we're switching, it's all an excuse. If we're switching down the line, if I just switch forward to Snape, while I agree he's not good at like get at connecting with the students and stuff. I like I was mentioning earlier, I do think he is a not he's a good teacher in the fact that he knows what he's talking about. He's teaching them what they need to know for their like owls and stuff. Because in the end where it's like, yeah, Harry did horrible in his class and he wasn't good. He wasn't a fair grade or anything. Harry still got an exceeds like he learned something. Like, you know what I mean? It worked. It wasn't very I guess, fun, I guess, but it worked. I guess. Snape has none of the <laughs> the individual... Like, if you're not in Slytherin, yeah. uh, he has no time for you. Yeah. And But furthermore, even worse, he has no patience for you. Mm-hmm. He will make an active joke out of you in class if you screw up. Definitely. Um, and... Ooh, yeah, that's And that does not foster him. trust. No, it does not. Uh, you know, being a bully does not... Y- y- I'm surprised that Harry learned so much as he did, mm-hmm. and I think most of it was out of spite, um, really, which you could argue, like, how will you retain that knowledge of how to brew a potion a certain way? Spite and Hermione. And Hermione, thank God, pulling pulling all of the weight. So much about potions is delicacy, and the environment being as hostile as it most of the time was yeah. in potions class uh, is, is not a crucial, like, or is not a... A good learning environment, I don't think. And on that note, also, I found a quote from Half-Blood Prince. And also, I think on that note, I think that Snape is a a better defense against the Dark Arts teacher than he is a potions teacher. And, I mean, of course he wanted that. But one of the lines that, like, kind of stood out to me is when Harry and Hermione leave the first class where they do the nonverbal spells. And Hermione says... um, um, she's well, what she's saying is that Snape and Harry are very similar in their teaching styles. Mm. Where you're saying, yes, when you were telling us that it, what it's like to face Voldemort, you said it wasn't just memorizing a bunch of spells. You said it was just you and your brains and your guts. Well, wasn't that what Snape was saying? That it really does come down to being brave and quick thinking? So it was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. I thought, that Hermione would compare Snape's teaching of defense against the dark arts. Where a lot of people compare... Harry to Lupin a lot in his teaching. Hermione's like, no, you and Snape are actually quite similar in your teaching. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have the same reaction to Hermione's well, comment that Harry did. Yeah. Just like, ugh, get away yeah. from me, Hermione. Yeah. But I agree that Harry isn't like Lupin um, because Lupin has this, uh, he 
he builds his lessons very well. He explains the theory. He does <laughs> he does it with a bogart exactly like with the Dementor. He he explains the creature, and then he explains how the the charm works and what it is, and then you practice it. And Harry's just like, okay, I'm gonna demonstrate, and then do it. <laughs> you're gonna try it, and then after a while, I'm gonna demonstrate again and sort of correct the detail details, and then you're gonna do it again. And that's also also reminded me of that the scene that they're learning nonverbal spells, people are like, why did he just says, okay, now duel each other. But it also reminded me of how they learn um, how to apparate, where they're just like, here are 3Ds, <laughs> yeah. now go do it, kids! <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of the well, way to learn magic, I guess. Gotta, yeah. Some things you just gotta learn. It's like, uh, I don't know how learning to drive is in um, in America, but uh, here in Germany, it's kind of like, okay, you can go to theory first, but you can also just go in the car that's yeah. the gas pedal. That's the clutch. Yeah. That's the brake. Let's let's try this. All those manual <laughs> transmissions over in Europe. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then and then you get the exact the polar opposite. Umbridge is 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 a is a horrible teacher for a hundred reasons, but mm-hmm. she has she has no practical hands on yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether she truly believes. That useful information can be gleaned 100% from books remains to be seen. I don't, I don't even think, so. think she. I don't think she I believes think it. So. But she was trying to make sure that they weren't being does. warriors, that they weren't being trained. Exactly. In battle. She's. She, she's. Exactly. Yeah. She, she was just trying to keep them bored. She does not want them to learn, passage. and that's why she's like a perfect, for me, a perfect example of um, this trust thing because she fulfills none of the trust requirements mm-hmm. and uses. Um, uses that sort of asymmetrical um, relationship as a tool to prevent learning. She legitimately prevents learning and um, there's no, and they don't have, she has no trust in her students to learn and her students to, uh, she doesn't want to treat them fairly. Um, And so in turn, they, they have no trust in her competence, no trust in her being fair and no trust. They don't want to make any kind of mistakes um, and they don't learn. She actively pits students against each other. Yeah, um, exactly. With her you know, inqui- Slytherins and the Inquisitorial Squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that and that's yeah. her style. But it's like it's also because of the time that the you know the circumstances surrounding the year that she is that way. You know, I wonder if I wonder if she ever taught before. No, no, I, I doubt, doubt it. it highly. Yeah, she was just a career politician who's like. Mm-hmm. Not. Don't you have one of those in America in uh, educational? Like right now, uh, our educational yeah. well, no educational background. It can happen here. Yeah, I, I just made say, that connection. It's a they they just passed. Well, yes, there's that, uh, but anyway. they also in the state I'm in just passed a law where you don't have to have an education degree to teach oh. anymore. You just have to have like experience in the field, and it's <sighs> causing all sorts of problems. oh boy. Okay. That's yeah, oh, that's... by the way, I found the I found the German words Komfortzone, Lernzone, and Panikzone. Oh my goodness! How do you? S- Which uh, I guess I'll ask you later how to spell them. <laughs> but yeah. one of them is the the motivational Panic fear. Zone? The other one's the fear too far, and then the other one's the sweet spot. Ba- well, no, one of them is a comfort zone, Komfortzone. Um, that's literally spelled comfort zone with a K at the front. Um, and then, yeah, then there's a, the learning zone, basically, is a, the perfect, you know, zone you want to be in. And just too far is just the panic zone, which is also spelled like panic zone, but with a K instead of a C. Huh. German and English are uh, sometimes very similar. 
Yeah. It turns out. Yeah, it's because English just yeah. the Germanic language beat up languages. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's no. Um, I just I thought the, I had a different uh, word that I thought was describing that, but it didn't. Anyway, so, so okay, so we have two two left to go through here real quick, but yeah, I, it's a, it's cool. There's like a sort of progression with Horace Slughorn. You have a teacher who I think is probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, he he inspires like he knows what's cool like at least in year six you get to deal with potions that are actually really cool um and he knows it and i think so he does a good job of like inspiring his students there's definitely i think a trust there in his competence there's a trust there in his being fair although that comes into conflict with Slughorn as a person who is recruiting students for his special club he's basically um, I mean, he's hoarding his his students. He's uh, I don't want to say abusing, but like he very clearly is forging personal relationships with students that exceed the the traditional you know I will teach you something um, yeah. uh, agreement contract whatever you want to call it between a teacher and a student that they normally have. But also he's you know in it for personal gain as a result. Yeah. So his his own students' individuality is a commodity to him. Which is very unique, mm-hmm. I think, for Potter, but also not that unique when you look at the real world and you know certain things that that happen and certain teacher relationships that you have. Like teachers are people too, and so having a a personal relationship, um, you know, with a teacher, whether it's you know a hundred percent educational all the time or if it's social, if you're you know one teacher is also your coach, you know, it it's all different. In, yeah. in muddled and kind of more nuanced than that. Yeah, I think I think Slughorn's a great teacher. I think he's really. I think he's definitely in the books. Well, he has kind of a questionable moral code sometimes. I think he's one of the best Slytherins that we see in the books, and I really like him as mm-hmm. a character. Yeah. But I mean, I remember in the doc saying about how because some of the students aren't in the Slug Club, is that like a bad thing? I don't think the slug club itself is a bad thing. I think that some of the students who get there get there for the wrong reasons, like because like Belby or like because of or McLagan, just because he knows people in the ministry. But I think people like Ginny, who he sees in the hallway and is like, she's smart. I want her in my club. I think that sounds that's a good idea to have a club about kids who are for her and it's uh, it's for her it's an opportunity to thrive Mm -hmm. if 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 something like the slug club gives you more opportunities for the real world um like if it looks good on your resume or you know anything if it's going to help actually give you placement because i think that's what slughorn is offering too like he has contacts and and can actually place you in a career based on contacts if he likes you and so there's that there's always, I mean, teachers again being human. There's a bias. You're gonna uh, teachers have favorites, parents have favorites, everybody has favorites. Um, mm. But like the the personal bias that a teacher may show also has a negative effect on learning, though, yeah. because characters like Ron feel excluded. And in Arthur yeah. too, Ron. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Who? Arthur, because Molly talks about how Arthur didn't like him very much oh, because. Yeah. He oh wasn't yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and so exactly. you look at the negative effect of slughorn's approach on learning and education and you get kind of a situation where for arthur weasley in his school years it was probably pretty tough especially you know horace wasn't just a one once and done one year 
you know, teacher, he was the potions, right? Or dark defense? What no, did he, he was teach? potions. He was potions then, too. He was potions. Okay, potions. yeah. Potions. Uh, for seven years. So Arthur would have, mm, yeah. you know, really not done well in, in, in potions if he didn't personally relate to Slug. If Slughorn didn't like him or didn't think he was anything special, that would end up having potentially long-lasting implications on, on Arthur's education. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if he would have gotten a higher position in the ministry if he was in the slug club. <laughs> there you go. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, that's the thing with Slughorn. I feel like um, those who are sort of in his slug club, they definitely profit. They learn a lot. Um, and those students, like I don't know, Justin Flinch Fletchy. I don't know if he's in the slug club. Um, I feel like he can probably. That doesn't. It's not as important to him, and he can still learn under Slughorn um, whether or not he gets recognized for it, let's say. But someone like Ron exactly is a... Um, it's a is, sore spot for him, too. Uh, yeah, Being overlooked. Exactly. It's, his, it's kind of yeah. his Achilles heel in the whole series. Yeah, yeah, because, it, of course, it's Harry and Hermione are, uh, are um, recognized again, and he's uh, overlooked once more, and so, of course, he's going to transfer that as well into his uh, potions class, which is unfortunate. But um, overall, I think there's so much positive um, positive results for um, for those in the slug club and, um, and as a teacher for those even that aren't in the slug club but don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I'm, I think he's, he's a good teacher. So it's a perfect segue, though, into Dumbledore because... <laughs> I Dumbledore is completely exclusive. Uh, you know, the the studies, at least in Harry's at the time that Harry's attending Hogwarts. I know Dumbledore used to be the Transfiguration teacher, presumably for all ages, uh, a long time ago, but the independent study that Harry receives from him, I, I don't think a lot of students really resent the relationship that Dumbledore and, and Harry have. I don't think they know it's happening. Well I don't they think don't they know what's happening. Yeah. No. yeah. I think they would if they <laughs> yeah. did. I think a lot they of people would if they would. did. Oh yeah, people like I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like they would think it, it of course, because he's the boy who lived. And like at the point where, where in the sixth book, where the, he gets a private lessons, everyone's like, okay, yeah, uh, Voldemort's back and Harry Potter. I mean, you, you don't know, think the, the Ravenclaws whatnot, would you know? want a personal um, class oh, with God, Dumbledore? That, that's a good point well, because yeah. Dumbledore is like the most brilliant. I mean, objectively, that's he's true. actually the smartest person in the room anywhere he goes. Um, yeah. like, and that comes from his long life experience and I think his healthy, his now readjusted healthy moral code because so much tragedy has befallen him. Um, you know, older Dumbledore, mentor Dumbledore is really that perfect character who you would want private lessons for. That's actually a really good point about the Ravenclaws. Like, <laughs> I wonder true, if, yeah. I wonder if they apply to like, if they reach out to him and they're like, Hey, can you, can you show me something? Yeah. You know? But he's also doing he he has a different role mm-hmm. at the school. By that point, he's the headmaster. Like he's in charge of so much more. And oh, I I agree. He, he, I don't know. Like he I feel like it, at I'm least saying if they heard that Harry got this, they would be like, uh, "Excuse me, where's yeah. my class?" Yeah, but I wonder what his day to day really looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, if I well, yeah, and I, yeah. but but yeah, maybe I'm thinking it from an American school point. But it's like the kids that you know, like the principal and the vice principals knows. You're like. Mm, 
trouble. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're like the trouble kids, yeah. right? And that's why they're True. they're yeah. there. You think they probably think um, he's in detention, honestly. So there's kind of that perception. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe maybe they wouldn't. And I mean, I know a lot of teachers that I know say they don't want to become administrators because administrators, like principals, headmasters, they they lose a lot of mm-hmm. that direct contact being in the classroom daily with yeah. a student it's a different kind of relationship you have to have this is such a stretch um, but there was an episode of new girl that was like that where she becomes the principal and like all the students oh, yeah. don't like want to talk to her anymore <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's this disconnect right there's this um, there's it's this true, implied yeah. extra level or layer like and and i i'm sure like you can explain it away um, Harry is the chosen one. Dumbledore is the one with the plan to defeat Voldemort, mm-hmm. and they need to be having these classes. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody, I don't think a single soul would argue that that's not valuable and important. But Dumbledore, I guess, also just has a lot of qualities of being a good teacher anyway, partly because yeah. he was one. But, like, Dumbledore's got an extremely analytical mind. And this whole, I mean, he 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 act, he actively pretends that he doesn't know that horcruxes is the answer but he's able to completely illustrate to harry why and how they are Mm -hmm. right he's able to start at at day one and over the course of a year really show how and why he's pieced these things together and made the conclusions that he has and it ends up being 100 percent correct Um, while at this yeah while at the same time um giving harry the tools to think analytically and the confidence, like yeah. The confidence, mm-hmm. the the ability, the 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 showing him what kind of you know, helping him to learn to hone his skill in thinking analytically. And and what ha- what Harry doesn't have uh, of Dumbledore that Dumbledore does, what Harry doesn't have that in like a knowing Tom Riddle when he was young shared experience, Harry makes up mm-hmm. for with the scar connection and the fact that yeah. he's able to literally see into Voldemort's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <coughs> it's a dream Sorry. team. Dream team, yeah. So, but Dumbledore, I mean, we don't really get many examples of him as a as a teacher, other than that. I feel like um, Minerva no. seemed to have liked him, just like the little you hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that's you know their shared connection over transfiguration, transfiguration or mm-hmm. whether they just I think they click on an academic level because they're both just very intelligent. Um, yeah. But knowing that they they have such a nice adult relationship of trust and you know and they're they're the beginning of they're in chapter one of Harry Potter you know it's just mm-hmm. it's so special gives me all the feels. Does Definitely. any does, does anybody have anything else to say about education in the magical world? Did we go through all the teachers you wanted to talk? Did we talk about Flitwick enough and say how cool he is? <laughs> because Flitwick is great. Yes. Flitwick. Also, I love that he has... No, we didn't talk about Pomona Sprite enough. Pomona Pomona Sprite. Well, okay, so what do you think her teaching... (laughs) What do you think her teaching, like, is... She's kind of quirky, right? But she's also, like, you get your hands dirty in that class. It's very practical. Yeah, Yeah, she's very (laughs) down-to-earth. I think she's very down-to-earth, very practical. Her class is very practical. They're usually plotting, like... Do it. Potting plants, you know, every class, it seems. Or they're just, like, learning how to feed or take care of a strange plant i wonder if that's more vocational like i wonder too like if they meet as often for um herbology as they do for other classes do they for care Um, of magical creatures i feel mm -hmm. like it's the same it would be the same kind of level of where you you go to it 
I forgot what their timetables look like. Do they like. ever have double herbology? I don't think their timetables make sound any like sense. A, I don't like, think honestly, so. like, I don't think they no. actually would make sense if you put them all together. You know what I mean? No. Like, I think she's just like, we gotta go see Snape. Double yeah. potions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I want Harry and his friends to suffer double potions, double divination, like double history potions. magic. He always has double potions. I know. J.K. Rowling Slytherins. sets the curriculum at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else. <laughs> Oh, um. yep. Oh, the poor guys. The poor, the poor students. Oh, God. Oh, no. Well, guys, I, I think that may wrap no. up our main discussion on magical education in, in Harry Potter. I think I think we covered it dead. I really like that. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome. We covered quite a lot. Wow. Under under three hours. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we, hit, we hit the goal, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, um, man. Thank you, Carla, for coming to. You did such a good job of providing a great outlook on this <laughs> conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was that was a lot of fun. Definitely. Hey, we should also probably thank Haley for. Yeah, sharing. thank you, Haley. You're welcome. <laughs> we didn't do that at the beginning. Haley is one of our MuggleNet staffers yeah. who stepped Long content in. Content team filled in this week. Content. Woohoo! So yeah, thank you, Haley, for that. And next week, our topic—well, next week, whoops, next episode—we're on, we're on biweekly. It feels like one week lately for me. Um, our next topic is going to be old Ooh. theories. Cool. I'm really excited to to talk. I think I'm leading the discussion on that episode as well, and I, I think it's going to be a good one. I hope you talk very about... old school. Yeah. Like what could have been? Oh, I can't wait to tune in. I hope you guys talk about gonna... the Ron Dumbledore thing. <laughs> the Ron, I, I, you oh know, just because you brought it up, I think we have to. Uh, I'll, I'll work yeah. it in. Ron is secret. I think you're, you're going to have to pack out your old uh, copy of what will happen in Harry Potter Seven, eh? Yeah, and the ultimate <laughs> unofficial guide to the mysteries of exactly. Harry Potter. Exactly. Love it. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Well, if you would like to be on the show like Carla was, um, you actually just have to go to the main Alohomora website, alohomora.mugglenet.com, and uh, you can actually choose the topic that most interests you. Um, so essentially our submissions, uh, you write a little bit about yourself. There's instructions on submitting an audio file, uh, which we just check for uh, audio quality. So you notice there was no fan going or, you know, big, large machinery happening behind Carla. Thank you, Carla, for turning that all off beforehand. Um, but uh, you just need a set of uh, Apple headphones. It can be as simple as that. Um, no fancy equipment. But uh, just go and, and, and submit the topic and uh, let us know you want to be a part of the show just on our website. And if you want to contact us, um, we're on Twitter at, at Alohomora, MN, with the MN capitalized. Um, you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash open the Dumbledore. Our website, of course, is alohomora.mugglenet.com. And sadly, there is no more audio boom. It seems they've done away with the record and send in feature. And we're all very sad about it. It's in capitalization. Letters. We are yeah, sad. Yeah. We, we are sad. Are sad. <laughs> we are sad. Um, uh, and also, this is one more reminder to check out our Patreon, um, which is patreon.com slash alohomora. There's a bonus discussion uh, that's going up on the Trolley Witch from uh, Cursed. Uh, <laughs> it was a good one. It's a good one. And um, 
Definitely, you can become our sponsor for as low as $1 a month. It is worth it. Uh, we want to thank again the sponsor for this week's episode, uh, which was Ali F. Um, and yeah, just go go check it out. See if it's for you. See what the rewards are, the tiers, all that stuff over at patreon.com slash alohomora. Um, awesome. Thank you all for sticking around and listening and having such a great, lovely discussion on education. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Haley. And I'm Allison Sigurd. Thank you for listening to episode 216 of Alone More. Open the Dumbledore.